everybody, welcome to the Nightmares Podcast. I am uh, Mark, of course, and this gentleman right here. I'm Brandon. Yeah, and then Ned Zek. He didn't even get to introduce himself. I just say his name. Sure. And then this sir right here is Hello. This is our guest, Mr. David. Uh, uh, Who has served as gaffer on both episodes of Living Nightmares. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then, Welcome uh, to the podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. We, we love having you, bro. We're, we're happy to have I'm you. glad you invited um, me here. I'm excited here. <laughs> dude, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. We uh, Just give everybody a little recap. We are going to be discussing some... Decent horror movie news that's going on this week. We are discussing uh, sci-fi horror today, um, and then we're also going um, going to have some interesting production stuff with Brent and Mr. Brandon right over here. He's going to go over that in just a second. What is our topic for production today? Today we'll be talking about the importance of set design and costume design. Nice, nice. Oh, and then actually, too, uh, something cool is we have one person who is actually on the set. Of both episodes of Living Nightmares, um, I'd love to hear David's perspective Ooh, on that. Hey, probably during what? our production, you yes, what? you sir, <laughs> you sir, right there. Um, uh, so, uh, so all right, cool. Let's let's kick it off. Uh, we have um, uh, some interesting news, uh, horror movie wise. Uh, trailer for Zombieland Two dropped. Um, uh, and there seem to be some mixed opinions. Mixed opinions. Some mixed opinions on that. I'm going to start with me. Um, it's because I'm simple. It's a 50-50 shot, man. It's either going to be really, really good and a lot of fun, or it's really going to suck. Um, uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of in-between room on that. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about it is, is that that movie came out 10 years ago. Wow. So much has changed. I mean, like, think about that. The movies that were... Uh, the Hangover came out that year. Avatar came out that Locker year. and Glorious Bastards. And Glorious Bastards. Wow. District 9. I mean, like... I, you mean the Halo movie? Um, so, uh, no. <laughs> uh, so, so much has changed since then, so I have no idea how that whole thing is going to work out. I really don't. So, it, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine on this. Yeah. So, go ahead, B-Man. The trailer did not make me laugh. It just wasn't funny. I get it. I get it. Better luck next time. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. I'm sorry you've won no prizes. I hope the second trailer is funnier. Um, I actually laughed more on that non-picked up Amazon pilot from a few years ago. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Zachamus. Uh, I laughed at one thing. So when the original movie came out, Woody Harrelson was pretty much the only big name in that picture. And then now it's just, it's just like Oscar nominated, Oscar nominated, Oscar nominated, Emma Stone comes up, Oscar winner. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's like, so yeah, that, uh, 10 years, that, that's a long time. Yeah. A lot of shit has happened since then. Yeah. So that, that's my big takeaway from it. What'd you, what'd you Uh, think, D? I mean, maybe I'm the only one on this panel is excited for it, but zombies, man, it's a film about zombies. I mean, what's not to love about it? Whether you like the trailer or not, I enjoyed it, uh, but I agree with Brandon, it wasn't funny. I kind of like fucking it, dropped it, off it, there at the end, man. It's just, it's I win! <laughs> so Why did you have to let him win? The lesson today, Brandon wins. <laughs> Damn you it. take anything from this. Damn it. Oh, God. We're never going to hear the end of this, Dave. <sighs> you might hear this in the next podcast. 
Oh, scratch oh, that oh, every podcast. Oh, 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 because things never show up in multiple podcasts yeah, ever. Yeah, ever. Uh, Maximum Overdrive trailer. Go so- watch it. Society. <laughs> That, yeah, I think we've covered our bases. Yeah, dude, I like almost want to have a cut where like all of the lists of this shit that we talk about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the shame. Dude. We're, we're, we're gonna. In our you know what we should do for April Fool's Day? Uh, we do, we have like a two-hour podcast that we upload, <laughs> but it's just gonna be two hours of the Maximum Overdrive trailer. <laughs> <laughs> How much cocaine have, did you have? Stephen King. I'm Stephen King, and I'm in a movie. <laughs> Holy joke! He almost just made Brandon choke on his own water. <laughs> like you are right now. Yeah. What? Zach, put it's the normal. severed hand down. Fucking no fun, Zach. Zach. He finally did. He snapped up. Yeah, the, uh, I live with this. I know you do. The uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm in a movie, I'm Stephen King! <laughs> I love you guys. And Emilio Estevez is there for some reason. Because uh, why not? Because, you know what? Because why the fuck no, not? I, the, 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 biggest, the biggest thing I noticed, like, the first time I saw that trailer, I'm like, is that the fucking Green Goblin mask? Yeah. Just big Green Goblin that. mask plastered on the face of a truck. Literally yeah. that. That like, is I think exactly it was a toy that. truck. Or a toy store truck, or a toy Either, store truck. Or that was a that. big ass toy then. Holy <laughs> shit! And then, <laughs> death by vending machine, except yep. it doesn't actually crush the guy; it just shoots cans yeah, into his balls. And then there's the steamroller, which I do believe they had to cut some footage of the steamroller death from the final cut because I guess the MPA said that the um, so original. I think it ran over a kid. I, I'm trying to remember. I haven't really? seen the movie since, <laughs> and I haven't seen the movie in years. But I think it ran over a kid. And, um, well, to quote Woody Harrelson from the first Zombieland, uh, you ever roll up a tube of toothpaste from the bottom? Head's the cap. Nice. Fucking MPAA ruining good movies since... A long time. Yeah. Um, Before you were born. So that's interesting. So, um, B-Man, any other other news in uh, horror movies going on right now? Not that I can think of. No, no, no. Again, there probably is some. We're just not good at keeping up. Yeah, Dude. keeping up with it. Oh, um, who who the fuck sent me that? Those trailers? <laughs> was that you who no, sent me those? That random... was that was me. I'm like <laughs> the, 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 the Lord of the Fly trailer that that we saw. That was what, the, what movie was that? I do not remember the names of those trailers. I just know I'm like Guillermo del Toro. Okay, so let me send this. Brandon might like it. Then I realized. Oh wait, he's not actually directing it. That explains a lot. The uh, Brandon's gonna put those in the description below um, as soon as he finds them. Uh, they are interesting to say the least. Um, they're actually pretty bad. Um, they don't uh, look good. It's a lot of it, it's are. a lot of what the fuck is going on. I know David, you didn't see any of this, <laughs> oh. so um, this was in our other our previous um, uh, chat group that we had. It was certainly interesting to say the least. The uh, Brandon's actually looking for them right now. Thank you for giving me this assignment. It's it's so enjoyable. I know. <laughs> it might be an honor if I were someone. I don't care. Um, <laughs> oh, Manos. Oh yeah. Is it? Is it? It's not. It's not related to what I think it's related to. Wait, what do you think it's related uh, to? Manos, hands and feet. No, no. That's Manos. Oh, Manos. Oh, that's Manos. Yeah. yeah. The uh, yeah. Which we should watch Manos, the hands of fate, at some point. Not a bad idea. It's a staple no, it's of horror history. 
And then the other trailer that Zach sent was Jojo Rabbit. Kid with a Hitler as an that imaginary friend. That was a friend. fucking weird one. Oh, so it is an imaginary friend. Weird. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. From the director of What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People. All right. Hunt for the Wilder People is hilarious. You'd see it. What We Do in the Shadows is a better TV show than movie. I did enjoy the movie, though. And then, the yeah, I'm just like, wait. Oh, he also directed Thor Ragnarok. And will be directing Thor 4. And just to throw in good measure. His non-Marvel movies are good. <laughs> I was going to say, his one Marvel movie is absolutely terrible. Yeah, let me borrow that hand real quick. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, Jesus, nothing to do with this. So but yeah, so in Maxim Overdrive, machines come to right. life and kill people. It's very science fiction esque. Sure. No, I don't know if I'd put that in science fiction. That's a rough transition, but I guess we'll go for it then. <laughs> I wouldn't have our transitions be any other way. No, like super awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, like cute glitch transition right now. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so I so I guess that's, that's a odd uh, high school awkward transition into our topic for today. Um, uh, our topic today is sci-fi horror. Um, uh, we got laundry laundry list of, of great movies oh. that are all of our favorites. Um, uh, David, you, you definitely know a little bit of our format. Obviously, we, we pick our favorites. We usually try to stick to three, except for Brandon. Brandon usually has a list of... of look at Oh, there's the list. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, my, there's the list. Brandon always has a list. I usually try to stick to three. Zach's yeah. has to three. Um, if you want to stick to three, you can. If you want to add a little into good measure, that's fine. I was going to have you go first because you are sure. our guest. Um, uh, so fire away to the cameras and let us know uh, what your favorite uh, sci-fi horror is. All right, so one's... This one's challenging for sure because there's so many. Um, there's a lot of it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Puppet Masters for sure. Um, Puppet Masters. All right. Um, <laughs> tell us about what Puppet Masters. Yeah. What is Puppet Masters? Puppet Masters. Parasites invade Earth. Oh, okay. That's what what it is like. Body snatchers. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, nice. uh, Puppet Masters uh, and Slither definitely right. was really weird. Uh, and I'm gonna have to say Alien, for sure. Uh, no, I mean that's a really obvious choice. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. All these topics have that golden title where it's just like, yeah, that kind of figures. The, 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 and there's I mean, a bunch of what you like about uh, Puppet Master. Uh, I, I haven't seen it. So. No, neither have I. Yeah. Uh, it's twisted for sure. Um, definitely really sinister. Something sinister about it that I enjoy. Very, it makes you feel really uneasy when you watch it. Mm. Like I'm feeling uneasy right now. I'm like, Ugh. so definitely check that one out. Especially you guys if, if you haven't seen it. There's two different versions of it. There's two films. There's one Puppet Masters and then Puppet Master, which is um, Possessed Marinettes. Okay, so this is different from this Puppet is different Master. from yeah. So Puppet Master. A lot of people get confused, and, and they're I both considered sci-fi, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, you can argue, I'm argue this with, one up right now because yeah. I'm kind of curious now. You can argue with the one about the possessed marionettes. Um, a lot of people say it's horror, which I agree on that. Um, I don't know why they would say sci-fi for uh, a film like that. Possessed uh, marionettes. The Earth is invaded by stingray-shaped alien slugs that ride on people's backs and control their minds. Yes. Okay, that sounds interesting. Okay. Oh, wow. Donald Sutherland. Wasn't that like a Futurama episode? I think you're right. The brain slugs. Yep. Yeah. 
God, I love All right. trauma. I don't remember the but, brain slugs. I remember the invading brains episode. Yeah. And Fry was the only moron who was unaffected. It's like, he was unaffected a lot because yeah. the, brain, the brains invaded too. So Nice, nice. Yeah. Very cool. And then, uh, yeah, Slither is one that I, I, I like it. I didn't love it. Like it, it's, it's grotesque. The makeup Which effects like. were excellent. Um, yeah. I always describe it as it's not really a ripoff of Night of the Creeps, but it's kind of the movie that ripped off Night of the Creeps. <laughs> Here's the thing. Night of the Creeps is very lighthearted 80s yeah. and, you know, I would say geared more towards teenagers and it has a high school feel to it, but it's still a really good movie. Slither, more adult, darker, and... Sl- s- yeah. Much more mean-spirited. Yes, Slither, absolutely. Slither's very dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And vile. Vile, vile violent, sure. and I love Protest, it. Like, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Night of the Creeps is weird but funny and very enjoyable. Slither's like, ooh, that looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what's going on over there. Like for me, Night of the Creeps, and we, we talked about this in our zombie movie episode, but the characters are just so likable, and that's what makes Night of the Creeps so rewatchable for me. Uh, or Slither, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, eh, I don't really care if these people live or die. Like I see people exploding here at the party. What's that? Very sincere of you, Brandon. Well, Thank also, you. Brandon has a very unhealthy uh, obsession with Tom Atkins and uh, Fred Decker. It's not that unhealthy, despite the fact that there's a Tom Atkins action figure right behind me. And he refuses to admit The Predator was a terrible movie. It wasn't like a terrible movie. It was it a terrible movie, Brandon. It was an all right movie. No, it wasn't. It was I feel like we could have an intervention every like, Oh, dude, dude, dude <laughs> you, you totally missed the whole um, Alien Covenant thing. Oh, God, I wish. Prometheus. I Prometheus, yeah. I wish I was here for that. I wish I was here for yeah, that. Yeah, we no, agree exactly. on Covenant. We disagree in... Entirely on Prometheus. End of discussion. Moving on. And 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 the sequel. A good movie. And the sequel to AV AV you know P and everything else. Everybody oh God! Brandon walked out. You walked out. Uh, Aliens vs Predator. I couldn't it off. Only movie I turned it off. Turned it off. Couldn't even get through it. Yeah. Couldn't even get through it. Again, I stuck through it because Alien and Predator fanatic here. But if you watch the Predator cut of the movie, all it does is follow the Predator. What do you have? It's not a myth. It existed for a while till Fox took it down. The lousy pricks. Once you have a hybrid of the Predator and Alien, that's it. Like I'm pretty sure that's where you turned it off. Which I'm done. That design was terrible. Like not even the PC game had a pretty decent design. No, there's an there's a legitimate design for the Predator Alien out there, and they didn't take. I didn't get that far. I didn't get that oh far. Like I, like I saw the opening, the opening scene from what I remember, and then some teen drama happens, and then I turn it off. Like it, was, it literally, like it was almost like an episode of One Tree Hill, and I was like, Nah, I'm good. I call it Aliens versus Predator versus Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it was about the semantics. Same. Yeah, semantics. One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek are basically the same show. It's the same. Thing. Yeah, one lasted longer than the other, though. Yeah, I am shocked that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that, that I know that too. <laughs> Brad's like, I gotta fact check this, alright? <laughs> I gotta see what's going on. Yeah, this is the. Dawson's Creek was 98 to 03. And then what was the other one? One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill was 03 to 12. Oh. Wow. wow. Yeah. You can thank my mother and sisters for that one. Whew. I'm so sorry, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> they then... have their perks and they have their downs. Remember, fuck Twilight. And then he also mentioned Alien, what, which we've what's already. Wrong with the sparkling vampires. You mean a the lot. sparkly gay disco ball vampires? A lot. Just yes. neither time nor the place for that. Um, <laughs> which we've already had. We've already said our piece about Alien on our Alien Day podcast episode. 
Um, but yeah, let's go over what you thought of Alien. Like, how did you first see Alien? How were you introduced to it? Uh, man, I'm trying to remember how I was first introduced to it. Uh, I think my brother had uh, this set for it, and that's when I was first introduced to uh, Alien. Uh, very intrigued uh, creature, very um, fearsome. Definitely uh, makes you feel very claustrophobic <laughs> when you watch it. So, yeah. I enjoyed everything. Awesome movie. Beautiful it's movie. In the, it's, yeah. yeah. Th this guy got to see it in the theater. <laughs> film print. That was oh, amazing. Dude. That was a very it's, good movie yeah. on the big screen. Like, one, of, one of my favorites definitely like costume. Yeah, man in suit. Yeah, it's... It had to be hell for yeah, that. Yeah, you, you that hear that, man. Ridley Scott? Costume. Man in suit. <laughs> not CGI. I thought we were done with this. No, no, no. He's it, not going to see it, this. It'll, it'll never, it'll never, never be done. Maybe with, one day he'll see it and he'll, you know. Meh. I doubt it. I mean, it's a good franchise. It Definitely is. one of my favorite franchises, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> Every time somebody says the word franchise, all I think, of, all I think about is Brandon trying to explain the timeline a fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Again, oh, we're going to do that cork <laughs> board. <laughs> That's all I that. think about. That. that wolf's going to have a cork board one day. It's, it's going to look like Charlie Day and there's always sunny. It's, just, just, holy shit! <laughs> I'm making a movie! <laughs> oh my god. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that, we're never going to stop talking about that trailer. It's nope. never going to not be a thing. Anyway, um, uh, so any final thoughts on on any of your three movies, um, uh, Alien or you know anything like? I mean, out of all three, obviously um, Alien, of course, uh, yeah, best set design out of all. So, no, I hear you on that. <laughs> I hear you. So, uh, Zagamus. Okay, let's see. Let's start with Event Horizon. All right. Has anybody seen that one? I saw like the first 20, 30 minutes of it, mm -hmm. and I got bored, and I stopped. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've not seen it. I have not seen it either. Jesus Christ! Really? All right. <laughs> All right. Um, it's one of the, it's one of the few sci-fi or horror movies in space that are good. Uh, picture Hellraiser goes to space, excluding the fourth Hellraiser movie, where only five minutes of it took place in space. Um, pretty much. Uh. Humanity learns how to travel like, like through dement, like pretty much warp from one part in space to the other. Wormholes. Yes, wormholes. Exactly that word. Things. But in the process, when you're traveling, you're traveling through hell essentially. When you travel through a wormhole, so you go in one end, you come out the other. You're torn apart limb from limb, and shit just goes to hell. And it's all thanks to this weird spiked ball thing that they use to do it. Um. What the fuck's his name? The guy, Alan Grant from... Uh... Sam Neill. Yeah, Sam Neill. Yeah, he's in it. Goes completely insane. Starts murdering everybody on his ship after the ship that was lost in the first trial comes up out of nowhere. I believe his wife was on it, so that's the reason he goes. And yeah, shit goes crazy. Dark, gory, beautiful. In space. Awesome. <laughs> in space! I don't, I don't know. Like It just didn't grab me for some reason. I, I heard that Paul Anderson had... That's a, a Paul Anderson movie? Paul W.S. Anderson. Holy shit. Yeah. He actually did a good movie. It's uh, amazing. Mortal Kombat. I keep forgetting he did that. Um, but yeah, I, I heard so most people. the studio <laughs> completely cut up the movie. So somewhere out there, there might be a director's cut. I, I've heard from, I've read in some sources that 
it, the footage still might exist somewhere. I've read that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, like I, if they were ever to release his director's cut, I would watch it. Um, I don't know. The version I saw was good enough. Okay. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. If there is a director's cut out there, I'd like to see it. Who knows? It might nice. be better, but I don't know. I thought it was very enjoyable. So Nice. Yeah, Blood, Guts, Gore, Space. Awesome. What else you got? <laughs> uh, Pitch Black. Dude, I really enjoyed. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Black. That was my first Vin Diesel movie, and I'm just like, this guy's a fucking <laughs> badass. <laughs> my first Not Vin Diesel guess. movie was it was either Iron Giant or Triple X. Boy, Iron Giant. He was the voice of the he Iron Giant. He was the voice of yeah, Iron Giant. Wow, he does a lot of voices with just one word or very short sentences. Yeah, uh, there too. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, what are you trying to say? I don't know. No, I'm just saying like, <laughs> nothing, nothing in there. Just that's that's what it is. I don't know. But yeah, pitch black, pretty much. Um, this uh, group of were they mercenaries? I can't remember. I don't remember. They, yeah, I, I really the, do not care. Yeah, the only that. character you really give a shit about is Riddick because he's awesome. Um, so yeah, they crash land on this planet, and this planet is uh, it's just a desert planet. It's sunrise lasts a very long time, a few days, maybe a week, month. I don't know. And then sunset comes and it lasts even longer. And now when the sun sets, there's these creatures underground that can only be around in the dark. They hate the light. It burns their skin. They're like fucking vampires. And uh, yeah, they're also ferocious raptor-like creatures. Actually, I think that's what they're called. Raptor? Sure, I have no idea. Yeah, something like that. And when they come, they viciously and ferociously tear people apart and just eat. That's their like feeding time and whatnot. And that's pretty much what the movie's about. They're stuck on this planet, need to get off, middle of the night, and uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. You should check it. Check out the whole Riddick universe. It's great. Especially the first game, Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay. Put the trailer in the comments below, Brandon. Oh! <laughs> and he didn't have to breathe Especially if you want to see Exhibit in a video game. That That, that is actually a really fucking awesome movie. Yeah, you also um, get to beat the shit out of him, too. The um, And actually, you don't really, you do not really give a shit about anybody but Riddick. Um, uh, maybe the kid, but that's about it. The kid? Yeah, maybe the kid, but like, and then like a few other characters here and there, but like for the most part... It's it's all him, and he and he is the best that you know the best thing in the whole movie. Oh, he's awesome. The um, uh, not only that, and actually, it's it's. All right, I'm gonna say something that's a little weird, but it's actually decent acting for Vin Diesel. Um, uh, the um, and and actually, uh, it's yeah, it's just a really enjoyable badass. Look, I mean, it's not really hard. All he has to do is pay play a brawlic badass who doesn't give a fuck and that's what and, he is and he really doesn't give a fuck yeah. what, dude, especially when my favorite part of the whole movie is not even when uh, when the shit goes down it's when he's handcuffed behind the pole and he literally has his hand like this he he brings his hands up there dislocates his shoulders to, to go shit. around the uh, the actual pipe and then undoes the handcuffs and then escapes like and you go and this is in the first five minutes of the movie. And you're like, oh, okay, this is who this person is. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty fucking great. And it's a it's a pretty enjoyable movie. And yeah, it's a little bit of philosophy here and there in the movie, but for the most part, it's pretty badass. Um, the movie was so badass, it got two sequels, two video game sequels as well, all based around the same character. And it, it even got an animated movie. Like, it, Yeah. Was he even the main character in the first one, Pitch Black? Kind of. It oh. didn't really start off with him being the main character. He just kind of took the spotlight as the movie went on. He's, he he kind of... Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, essentially, it started out as 
the other people on the ship were the main uh, were the main characters. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like the wild card. You don't know if he's gonna be if he's gonna murder everybody on the ship or you don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah. Like you it, don't really know anything about him at the start, and then as time goes on and these creatures start getting involved, that's when you learn a bit more about his character the, and all that. Basically, the plot pushes him to be the main character yeah. because everyone else fucking dies. <laughs> so it just gets ripped apart. Yeah, like, so, so like like, like he has no choice but to be the main character. The plot. Yeah. Moves him in that so direction. So then, other than Chronicles of Riddick being, was Chronicles of Chronicles mm-hmm. is Chronicles of Riddick a sequel or a prequel? So sequel. all the movies mm-hmm. are sequels. All the games are prequels. Okay. So then, other than the Riddick character, like, does Chronicles of Riddick have any kind of connection to Pitch Black, or is it just the little girl that's in it? She's in it too. Okay. And then, and also the um, the black preacher, is it? Yes, at the very beginning. So like, it's it's more of a continuation of it. It, it, it just it just follows his character because everybody right. loved his character so much and they wanted more of it. It took like I want to say six years for them to get a, another movie out though. Yeah, very and then another ten to get the last Riddick movie cor- out. Correct. I mean, but in between here and there, there was like two games and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. which are wasn't like, there an animated movie too? Yeah, yeah, they released that when they released the trilogy, Pitch Black and uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. So they released it with it. Yeah, it was good. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, Pitch Pitch Black was a really good self-contained thrill. I like stories that have really interesting characters that could very well have a have a really big backstory outside of the movie that you only get a tip of the iceberg to actually do that. Like there's only two movies I can think of at the top of my head that have a similar through line is um is Pitch Black and then Last Man Standing with Bruce Willis. Um, it's like a really interesting character, but you're only introduced to them in a very short amount of time and a truncated, truncated amount of shit happens within this little event. It's only a slice of what this character is actually, um, capable of. And that's what made it good. Like you, you don't know everything by the end of the movie about, about his character at all. It's literally about this, a really interesting character who was interesting before the movie and he's going to be interesting after the movie. But this one thing happens to him and happens to the people that are around him. And it's really interesting to watch. And that's why I liked it. Yeah, that, okay. was, that, that was it. Okay. That was yeah. it. Um, and, then what, and then what was what was your third? Jason X. Yeah, What's Jason X about? <laughs> oh, okay. What the fuck isn't Jason X about? All right, so has anybody ever heard of this little movie called Friday the 13th? Nope, never heard of it. Really? No. Nope. Right. I've heard of Friday the 13th Part 3. It's a good movie. So in that movie, Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, Jason, he, he started off as a little boy drowning in the lake. Yes. Uh, grew up to be an awesome serial killer. Okay. Yeah. And then um, eventually, uh, the government gets a hold of him, keeps him in captivity, and in the process, you know, he breaks free, kind of kills everybody in this, you know, very open lab with no security force for some goddamn reason. Because the movie needs to happen. Uh, sure. Um, it's Brandon's famous line a, a movie needs to happen yeah so then the lead uh, character of the movie freezes him and then we fast forward like I don't know a thousand years later some shit like that no 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 they freeze him and then they genist him, him out of yeah. the out of the ship and he no, no, no. goes down like a meteor no 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 so the was way that the, movie, the end that was yeah. the end yeah oh okay yeah I'm talking about the beginning oh god what the fuck didn't happen in this movie <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Jason oh. X. Wait. So, are you saying that Jason X is deeper than Tree of Life? <laughs> Any movie is deeper than the Tree of Life. Okay. Oh. Except for a Ghost Story. Fuck Funny, Ghost they, Story. They, they always eventually end up in space. 
It's, 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 it's a leprechaun in space. Dude, always ends up there. Rocky's on his way, all right? Rocky 7. Adrian's Revenge! That's Rock, fucked up. Rocky Seven, the galaxy's greatest fight, or some shit like that. Who knows? I ain't gonna fight him in his face. <laughs> after that, then they end up in the hood. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> that is one of the stupidest fucking movies I've ever seen. Which one? Leprechaun in the Hood or Leprechaun Back to the Hood? Uh, uh, yes. Back to the Hood. <laughs> Back to the Hood. At least, at least the first one had ST in it, alright? It's... Wait, what? <laughs> I've never seen. I didn't even know that was a freaking thing. Holy crap, dude! It is. It, I was literally in Leprechaun a bar on St. Patrick's Day, and it was Leprechaun goes to the hood. And he smokes marijuana with uh, iced tea. Yes, that yo, that yes. happened. We gotta get Matt Ray over here and watch that. Oh god, I do have. We them. have to watch. Of course you do. Of course you would have them. It, 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 I have. It's one of the stupidest. <laughs> I'm not alone. Stupidest I'm movies not ever. Alone. Yeah, like literally, me and my kids watched the first <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun yesterday. Dude, you can tell how stupid a movie is by the amount of times that you say, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> I said it a lot. Dude, I said it a lot in space. I too. said it I a like, lot. What, what am I watching? Why do they always end up in space? Like, it makes no sense Dude, to me. Dude, Jason X is basically shot like a porno, by the way. It has the same film quality of a porno. I just... I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Give us the details, Mark. What, what, Oh, yeah. why, compare, why, compare, why, yeah, why, Mark, why, come on, compare yeah. to, what is the porno that you are comparing Jason X to? I'm interested. You know? I don't know. Regardless of the fact that Jason X has tits without nipples. Uh, okay. Yeah, that didn't happen, didn't it? <laughs> That's, yeah. Space, it gets a little nipply there, okay. Space! Come on now. That was funny. Um, uh, the, oh my god. Continue. What is Jason X about? <laughs> uh, you only reached the tip of the iceberg here. <laughs> he hasn't even gotten no. to space yet in your description. No, not yet. So he's frozen for like a thousand years. Um, a teacher is using students uh, as a weird excuse to take trips around the galaxy, I guess. They stumble onto the old, old Earth, a uh, little station there, and find him frozen. Take him back up to their space station. Unfreeze him. Two people fuck... And then he wakes up and starts killing everybody. And that's the story. It's kind of a rule of thumb. Never have sex when Jason's no, around because that wakes him up and he's just like... I think, Murder! Any, I think that's a rule in like any slasher movie, any Wes Craven Specifically that, Jason. <laughs> it, that, that's like one of the key things to wake him up. Like That happens in three movies. Yeah. People start doing it. Yeah. Something happens because of that. It wakes him up so, and so, then he just somebody murders everyone. Somebody going to... Jason X did have a pretty cool kill where he freezes that one girl's head and smashes it open. Oh yeah, that was that awesome. Was pretty cool. He does uh, have pretty cool do, do you want to talk about Uber Jason? Uh, Uber Jason. And how he becomes that. That that's great. So the uh, sex robot or android or whatever she is. Um, I remember that. I forgot about that. Gets tricked out by the Andrew Garfield looking kid. And, uh, yeah, he, he puts her in this BDSM outfit or whatever it is. It looks weird. It, I don't know why that's the outfit they chose, but whatever, who cares? Gets a, Gives her machine guns, and she tears or shoots Jason into pieces on the nanomachine table that's supposed to heal people. Now, they don't have enough organic material to heal him, so they're like, fuck it, let's grab material from around the room and make him into a metal badass. And we get Uber Jason, who is super pissed off and is just ready to murder everything. He's so pissed off and angry that they blow up a ship with him in it. And he's like, no, fuck that. And he just gets launched to the other ship. 
And they keep blowing ships up, and he keeps just flying to each perpetual <laughs> ship till he gets to the point where the security guard gets launched out as well. Jason's doing his thing, flying, and the security guard goes, Nope! <laughs> Pushing him into Earth's atmosphere where they fall, and then... Um, Is this before or after the two, uh, the two cheerleaders in the hologram situation... Where they say, hey, do you want to smoke weed? Do you want to get drunk? Do you want to have unprotected sex? And then they take off the No, no, shirts. no, premarital. Oh, premarital sex, yeah. Do you want to have premarital sex? And then he proceeds to put them in sleeping bags and beat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes them up with them in <laughs> He hits them against trees. No, he puts one in one. You don't remember that? No, but when he stuffs them in, he it's like... been a long time. So, okay, he stuffs March. each one of them in sleeping bags, throws one in the ground, takes one, beats the shit out of her, and then he's just like, hmm. And Bam! <laughs> and you can literally hear him say, "This is weird." Oh my god! <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It is. It, it, oh my god! It's one of the most fucking ridiculous movies I've ever seen. We're it's have to great. Watch that together. I, oh, absolutely. I don't we mind. Have I have together. the collection. I love it. I love watching that oh movie specifically. God. It's it been a very long It's time. so corny and gory. It's great. Like the one time, so the guys flying the ship and everything, they're just like, "Yo, we don't know where Jason is." He looks to his left. There's a head there. Oh, hey! And then he proceeds to murder him. He's like, I'm being murdered. <laughs> what? what is this? So clearly nobody who made that movie was taking it seriously. Oh, absolutely not. No. The they were just lady. having fun. The, the only people, the, the only thing that died in that movie is people's careers. That's, that's, that's what happened. No one I guy agree. still went on to have a career. I can never remember his name, but he's a good actor. Well, that's the, the, exactly um, my point. No, pretty yeah. much the only reason that movie was made was because, well, we can't make Freddy vs. Jason yet because nobody can make a fucking decision. So, make another Jason movie. How can we do it without fucking up the timeline? I don't know. Put it a thousand years in the future and send him to space. Uh, that'll work. <laughs> I, I always felt there was a missed opportunity after Freddy vs. Jason, because that really could have restarted both franchises. You mean all three? It was supposed to be Freddy vs. Jason versus Ash. It would have been you awesome. You got a comic book for that. but I don't want a goddamn comic! I want a movie! We, we, we got our continuation of Evil Dead either way, but anyway. We did. Um, we did. Um, yeah. And it was we glorious. My, my point is, so... I you know, we could still have all three. My, my point is, Freddy was dead. Freddy versus Jason resurrected him. He was clearly still alive with his little wink at the end of Freddy versus Jason. We could have gotten more Fri more Nightmare on Elm Street movies with Robert England, And then with Jason, that beginning of Jason X could have taken place at any time. Yeah. So there could have been a whole slew of Friday the 13th movies that take place between Freddy versus Jason and Jason X. And from what I remember, Freddy vs. Jason was a pretty successful movie at the box office. It was their most successful movie in both franchises combined. And then we got the mid-2000 remakes. Yeah. I... Which I... As much as I hate those remakes, I think there is a worse remake of a 1980s horror movie out there. Uh, the Hitcher. Never saw that. I, I have a very specific reason why I say The Hitcher is worse than The Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th remakes. Um, there was literally like nothing new in the Hitcher remake to the point where even though the original screenwriter did no work on the screenplay for the remake, they still had to give him a co-writing credit. 
It was like the shot for shot remake of Psycho. <laughs> it wasn't shot for shot, but but it was enough. Yeah, it was enough. But they actually had to credit the original screenwriter of the Hitcher as a co-screenwriter. When was the original Hitcher release? Seventies, eighty-six, eighty-six. Starring the late great Rudger Hauer, who unfortunately passed away this past just week. recently. Yeah, what was it? Earlier this week? Yeah, yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Oh, man, he was great in Blade Runner. A lot of great horror icons are dying the past, like, year, year yeah. and a half mm-hmm. now. We're getting old. Damn it, Mark! Speak for yourself, bro. And he's <laughs> not even the oldest one here. No. No, not anymore. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be his catchphrase. No, November now, 1990. What? November 1990. Oh. Oh. So, so you are the oldest one here now? <laughs> oh, Brandon wow. wins again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to live this loud now. Damn, son of a bitch. What the hell? I, I, I think all three of us won. It's not that I won, it's that you lost. How about every time? Oh, we still look good. Dude. Guys, how about every good. time Brandon wins, I get to stab him? No. No. Mm-hmm. We've been through this. We talked about this. Especially on camera with his very evidence. violent, silly. I mean. Oh, yeah, so, how does Jason X end? <laughs> um, <laughs> he lands on planet Earth in the alternate earth crystal lake and then we get the uh, comic book jason x versus jason i heard that was terrible it was weird i heard it was <laughs> terrible wait a minute yeah that's a thing that is a thing it yes. makes no sense how each earth has its own jason and then nobody knows about jason even though they talk about the old jason in the movie like he's a historic legend yeah really? but the one on this earth, it's just like, eh, who cares? Was it better? Was the comic book better or worse than Aliens versus Predator versus the Terminator? Well, at least Jason was Jason and Jason X was Jason X in that comic. I don't know what the fuck was in the Alien versus Predator versus Terminator comic because it sure as shit wasn't Aliens, sure as shit wasn't Predators, and what the fuck were those machines? You know, sometimes, sometimes you shouldn't combine too many things. I love cheeseburgers, I love strawberries, but I wouldn't put that shit in the blender and drink it. Oh, uh, go to California and you'll probably find that in spades. The, uh, anyway, um, I you know what's so funny? The, the thing I remember the most about Jason X, and, I, and I'm almost positive from Jason X, is right after they, they land in the fucking lake, and the, the last shot is just a mask yeah. floating in water. And I it is. And, I, and I, remember, I remember that very, very clearly, and I'm like, that's fucking really cool. And, and nothing ever happened with it ever again. Nope. Nope. Got and nothing. God only knows and it never will because of everything. rights problems. Could you two just settle your fucking differences so and make a movie? For <laughs> science fiction horror movies. The, uh, I actually have... Um, one of them I, I really enjoyed and I think it's crazy underrated is um, Attack, the, Attack the Block. The uh, hell with, is that? Uh, it is a movie with uh, John Boyega pre-Star Wars. Um, and Nick and Nick Frost. Um, it is literally about a group of ghetto kids in England that live in an apartment complex and it literally gets attacked by aliens. And they have to survive the night um, against these aliens. And Nick Frost is the drug dealer that lives in the penthouse of their apartment complex. <laughs> nice. um, uh, it's a really a fun, fun movie. It's a, an enjoyable movie. It has emotion where it has, has to have emotion. Um, great performances. Uh, Nick Frost is fucking hilarious. 
uh, and the effects are pretty good for the most part, uh, and you can see why he got cast in Star Wars from from this particular performance. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun movie. Um, I believe you've seen it. A um, long time ago. Uh, the, uh, what did you think of it when you... Uh, I don't really remember the plot. I just remember the creature design was really interesting. Like, it's like this, like, black mass with these glowing teeth. Okay. What year did this come out? I think it was like, oh, seven-ish? Oh, he's been acting that long? Uh, No, 2011. Okay, okay. that makes more sense. Yeah. Ultimately, a a really, really solid solid sci-fi movie, which I found really enjoyable. Um, I think something that does get overlooked a lot, and I know it's a TV show, but I, I don't think we can not talk about sci-fi horror without talking about the X Files. Um, I, the um, was yeah. it really that much horror? Dude, though? dude, there there absolutely was a lot. There were some plenty, horror episodes, plenty of horror episodes. Um, uh, I remember one with uh, with Brian Cranston, um, where he played uh, what the hell was his his thing? Um, like he can morph and sneak into. Into places um, and everything else. I thought it was really, really. It was pretty horrifying, actually, and it was really good. And this is well before he got cast. I think it was even before Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Um. Uh, he, he, okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, it was overall and and a fucking great show. Um. I'm if you have if you've been living under a rock for the last twenty years and you don't know what X Files is, um, it's a show about two FBI agents who investigate. Paranormal activities um, on it, you know, UFOs, um, monsters, ghosts, demons, all kinds of creepy shit. Um, uh, and it's a really, really enjoyable show. Um, it's on Netflix right now. If you haven't watched it, please watch it. It's really worth your time. The movies were really good too. The movies were really good as well. And actually, though, the movies had a lot more horror elements than than half the. Half I would the say show. I will agree with you on that, especially the first one. Um, but the rest, the show, I don't know. I don't remember too much horror to it. At least, not to me. But then I, again, I you know my weird standard for true, horror. True. True. Yeah, there was. Um, I only got about halfway through the first season. I do want to pick it up again at some point. But it's like there's like 200 plus episodes. So it's a lot, lot of episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I remember there was like one season one episode that was essentially a spiritual remake of the thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm tr- I believe I saw that one as well. Yeah. Um, trying to picture something as violent as the thing in X Files, and it just feels weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, our, our friend Justin's also a huge fan of the X Files, and he keeps telling me when when you watch the series before between seasons five and six, is when you need to watch the first movie because a lot changes. So if you just go from season five to season six, you're gonna be like, "What is going on here?" I was um, gonna say, you know who else is a huge X Files fanatic? Mm. Matt. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that makes he sense. loves this series. If we ever go through it, I gotta tell him because he's gonna want to do it. He's just like, I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I know that obviously Alien um, uh, is is a it's huge such a basic dude. It's <laughs> fucking true, bro. It's he's like, not it, wrong. It's the it's literally the it, top tier. It's one of the top tier when it comes to horror sci-fi. You know, there's yes. it's your golden fucking standard for you know for how to you know what that's your golden fucking standard how to build proper tension in a movie. Like there's, it's it's one of the, the the perfect examples of building tension without without shooting your fucking horror payload out. There's that, um, and then it's score. Uh, it's score is just amazing. Scores uh, scores fantastic. Performances are fantastic, considering most of it's fucking improv. Uh, practical effects are great. 
Um, it, it's it has an atmosphere that that truly puts you in the mindset of everything that's going on with them, and you know what they had one of the best taglines: "No one, it, no one can hear you scream in space." In I will. Space, no one can hear. Oh, you scream. Yeah. yeah. I will laughing. say this: apparently, they're re-releasing it in a lot of theaters for the 40th anniversary. Nice. If you have the chance, go see it. It is oh, a much different absolutely. experience in the theater, and it is amazing. Oh yeah, the uh, it's it, it absolutely is uh, an amazing experience. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, I think the the two other ones too um, that are a little bit more unique, and and the other two guys haven't talked about it is obviously the thing. Um, uh, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've talked about that movie. We've a lot talked about it. I'm not gonna even bother to yeah. go into too much detail, but I, I can't not talk about sci-fi horror without talking about the thing. Um, uh, it, I ironically enough, very underrated um, when it first came out. Like, oh, yeah. got panned by the critics. Didn't um, didn't care for it at all. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, that was the year that everything got decimated by ET and Poltergeist. Mm. So the thing in Blade Runner kind of just fell. Really? Yeah. Yeah. ET. ET was the big movie of '82. <sighs> I will never understand how people like. Th- there was even one review back then that was. Like, after seeing, like, the family-friendly E.T., why would anybody want to see the thing? And it's just like, do you not understand that these are two completely different movies trying to do two completely different things? Yeah. Completely different yeah. things. One's the, a uh, horror movie, one's a crappy Spielberg movie. <laughs> sure. We'll now, I it. love Spielberg, I but that e. movie is shit. I really hate E.T. I do not know. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't dislike it as much as they do, but... I, 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 I'm not gonna, if it's on TV, like I won't turn it off, but I will not go out of my way to go, uh, to go and see it. Here's I, the thing. I, I see Jaws, I see Close Encounters, and then I see E.T. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I won't, I won't, there's some movies that I, if it's on, I gotta watch it. Gladiator, Die Hard, if The Thing, <laughs> Alien, like there's some movies, Jaws, that I have to fucking sit down and watch. E.T. I would not go out of my way to watch let's put it this way if it's a movie if it's a channel with commercials on it i'll turn it off the moment that the fucking first commercial comes on <laughs> like that like like that's my level of caring the about fact that, that you get that far surprised me again i fucking love spielberg he's one of my favorite directors of all time but that movie just no it is not fun it is not enjoyable it is boring it is ugh. so that okay. sells that then um the game was more enjoyable oh oh Atari game? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Ever played it? Uh, I've seen the documentary about it. That was a fun documentary. Actually, that was a fun documentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's, it's literally Atari. Um, it's about, literally about the failure of the company Atari. And then trying Atari. to find the land, the dump where they dumped all the copies oh, of the game. Which I love oh, one of the designers. He's like, he's like, the funny thing is like everyone blames the E.T. game. Like, we made way shittier games than that game. <laughs> <laughs> Like we were, we did way worse shit than that game. So I really don't know why that game got all the flack. Maybe it was easy to something to blame. I was gonna I say it's probably because of the name. Sure, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those games. At this point, that's probably one of the first examples of hype versus reality. Sure, the hype for it was so freaking high, it, but it was never gonna live up to it at that time. That's one of the first scenarios I could think of something like that happening. Hmm. Remember No Man's Sky? Oh. <laughs> Oh, we don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah, uh, um, I love The Thing, too. That's of one of the great, not just one of the greatest 80s horror movies, but just one of the greatest horror movies in general, I think. Yes. Uh, the special effects still hold up magnificently. 
uh, Rob Boutine, who uh, did the effects work for it, um, he pretty much survived that production on a diet of Coke and Hershey bars. Oh. And at the end now, of it when all, you say Coke, Coke, the soda. Okay. And at the end, and when it was, it was all, the eighties. That's okay. a valid question. <laughs> it is. The, and at the end of it, he actually had to check himself in the hospital for exhaustion. Jesus. Wow. That's, 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 that's insane. Wow. I mean, look at all the shit he had to make. Yeah. Um, if you ever get to, get to see that one in the theater, too, see oh, it. Uh, music Box, a couple months back, actually had a 70 millimeter print of it. Really? And uh, Justin and I went to see it. It was a midnight screening. It was glorious. Oh, that would have been awesome. Uh, the color was starting to fade in the print, so there was like a pinkish tint to Fewer, it. Yeah. Um, but it was still an amazing experience. So, so my other, my last two, um, is, is another John Carpenter film, which I love is They Live. Um, that was going to be one I, of mine. I, I, you know, we always steal each other's, um, I, <laughs> as you can see, Alien. I knew Alien was going to get taken by everybody. Um, Look, that's, <clears throat> that's why I went with, just when it comes to sci-fi horror, I'm very, very picky you know, about and, that. And I actually, you know what's so funny? I, I do want to add in a third one, but it's, it is horror and it's not horror. What movie? It's the Predator, bro. It, 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 Look, it, 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 it's, you know my I, undying love for Predator. That movie is not horror to me at all. It's a fine I, line. I, it is a fine line. It has a lot of horror effects, and uh, you know, especially when he walks into that situation where he sees the guy that's like his skin is removed from the tree. Like that's yeah, really good horror practical effects. Uh, as a whole, it's probably more of an action movie than it is a horror movie, but it, it does have horror aesthetics. Yeah. It, it's it. just such an amazing creature, though. Like, my infatuation with that creature when I first saw that movie was just mind-blowing. I was obsessed with it. I mean, so you don't agree that's a horror? No. It, I, it's it's not a horror to me, but then again, I have an unhealthy obsession with that movie and the creature, so... So what do you consider Predator? Uh, it's acted? a great Arnold Schwarzenegger action classic. No, I, I'll give you that. I think that's a fine, it's a fine line that's on that one. Yeah. Um, it's certainly science fiction. Um, science fiction, absolutely. So, you know, it is. You know, I think it's it more has horror aesthetics than it is a film. I mean, it definitely gets yeah. mixed in with horror and stuff all the time, and yeah. I don't mind it, but... I would call it a horror movie. No, I wouldn't. No, no, I've I'm never seen it. You could make a Predator horror movie, absolutely, but no one's ever really done no. it before. I get that. I am. I'm, I'm. No, yeah. I definitely, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, and, and the um, they live. Talk about they live. Oh God. Um, okay, so they live is 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 definitely up there in like top favorite B movies of all time. But it's not a horror movie though. It it, it actually well I mean it, it is it it. it, it it kind of is. Oh um, my! It's a great movie, but again, it's the um. I think uh, um. I horror. It's, start start with what's it about? So um. So essentially, what it's about is is about a, a construction worker played by a professional wrestler. Um. I always forget. Rowdy the Rowdy Piper. Yeah, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yeah. Um, God uh, rest his soul. Yes. Um. Uh, it is essentially what happens is a construction worker living in uh, uh Reaganomics eighties. And he um, eventually stumbles upon sunglasses. And he puts these sunglasses on and he discovers that the Earth has actually been invaded by aliens. And they're disguised as regular people. And, and you put the sunglasses on, on. You can actually see who yeah. they are. And you can also see their subliminal messages that they have an advertisement. And it's John Carpenter's, you know, hatred of capitalism. He's a big fucking hippie. Um, uh, <laughs> like, literally, if you look at the sign, that like the billboards, he takes off his glasses Literally like this, it, 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 it'll, 
have, uh, um, have his glasses off like this. It'll be an advertisement. He puts them on and it says obey. And then he look and he looks and at everything's in black and white. Everything's in black and white. He looks at he looks at money and it's just regular money, but when he puts it on the glasses it says this is your god. Like it's it's a really power like I you know what? That's one movie. Actually there's only two movies I have it is Us and They Live that I have never been slapped so fuck actually you know what? No, no, I take that back. Society and us and and them have been slapped so fucking hard with metaphors in my entire life. Like, hey, it it, it really is heavy-handed metaphors and themes for anti-consumerism, anti-capitalism, whatever you want to say about it. And it ends up being a very enjoyable movie. Eventually, uh, spoiler alert, he gets to the top of a radio station and he deactivates their disguises and then everybody can see who they are now that they're creepy looking aliens um uh, but it ends up being a really enjoyable sci-fi uh, sci-fi movie with really heavy-handed but thought-provoking themes about consumerism especially in the 80s when that was all it was all about consumerism. and it has one of the greatest lines in movie history yeah. i've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble gum and then he shoots <laughs> um, somebody with a shotgun on on that topic of just being able to see, like, pretty much a world that nobody else can see. Uh, there was a movie that came out a few years ago that had a similar premise, where essentially, has anybody ever heard of the movie called Branded? No. Sounds no. familiar. I may so have seen a trailer. A, it was a Russian production. It has Jeffrey Tambor in a small role. Um, it's really one of the worst movies ever made. Truly. Like, it, it makes no sense. If you watch the trailer, it makes you think it's about a guy who can pretty much see these, like, alien beings that attach themselves to humans. And those alien beings are essentially powered by advertisements. So it's like McDonald's has its own little alien that attaches itself to you and it makes you want McDonald's, essentially. Um huh. It's all right. terrible. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> the ending will make you crap a brick. Yeah. Like literally. Like literally. Like I, I, I swear when I was in the theater, when the very last shot happened, I heard a brick hit the floor. <laughs> I, did you wash your hands though? Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's actually a, a lot of interesting um, stories like that. Um, yeah, like it, it, it's... Because like when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, this looks like a new version of They Live. Um, all right, I'll, I'll see it. I got nothing else. Like, it was pretty much during my college days, so I would see like at least one movie, sometimes even two or three movies a weekend, especially if it was a weekend where I got my homework done early. Um, so it was like when that opened, the theater I frequented had it, so it was like, why not? Uh, it looks like they live. So, mm. yeah, I paid to see it. And um, I'm borderline saying I wish I got my money back. But it's also one of those movies that's so... What the hell am I watching? That that alone kind of made it worth the first showing of the day matinee price. Uh Oh, if I had paid full price, I would have killed myself, probably. Um, <laughs> wow. Damn. But, it, it, oh my goodness. So it, it's, it's about this advertising exec who 
essentially becomes disillusioned with how advertising is working these days. And then the great Max von Sydow of Exorcist fame plays like this. He's like the god of advertising, essentially. And like the god of advertising, not literally a god, but he's no, like I, I just seen as that's he's seen as like the emperor of advertising. I guess would be a better thing. But oh, either way, it's okay. still okay. interesting. Word but essentially, choice. fast food company sales are starting to decline, so they hire him to think of a great advertising campaign. And his idea is to create a plastic surgery show where they take a fat woman, try to make her beautiful. But then something goes wrong, she ends up in a coma, and that makes everybody go, well, what was wrong with her in the first place? That makes everybody decide to eat fat, fast food and become really fat. Uh, somebody wrote this. <laughs> Wait. Ho- you, what? <laughs> you heard what I said. I'm trying to... I think I just shit a brick. <laughs> and that wasn't even the brick part. Be, uh, I'm, so, just, I'm just confused. What? <laughs> so... Throughout the movie, there's this female narrator, okay? Because you need a narrator for some reason. Well, if you didn't have a narrator in this movie, you'd be freaking lost, all right? (laughs) The the Dune effect. We're we're better with Morgan Freeman as a narrator. For 40 days and 40 (laughs) nights, I watched this movie, and I couldn't understand (laughs) it. So Um, here I am. So so there's a female... I shit a brick. Andy Dufresne was my friend. So so, so there's the narrator, and there's a lot of cow imagery. Like, literally, one of the first scenes is the the advertising awards. The award is a golden calf. The Um, the advertising awards? Yes. Is that actually a thing? I'm sure there is some. There's awards for everything. It's a bunch of them, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, did you ever? Did you really have him watch Mad Men? Um, anyway, yeah. uh, like, but the literal ward is a statue of a golden calf. Um, subtlety, uh, not, but not really. Uh, Yo, dog, I got your themes with your themes with your themes. Uh, but but yeah, as soon as I saw that, like one of the, like the first five minutes, it was like, okay, so this is how subtle we're gonna get. Um, <laughs> it's about as subtle as a slap in the face. But yeah, so cow imagery is everywhere, and so. Uh, after like the whole coma incident, the main character goes off in the wilderness on his own because he's just had it with society. And I think he had to like sacrifice a cow at that point. And so when he returns, it's like years later and he has a son who the, the second half of the movie, I think takes place over a couple of years, but the son never ages past like eight years old, which is weird. Um, but anyway, he sacrifices this cow, I think. And when he returns, that's when he can see like the advertisements latch themselves onto people. Um, the effects are terrible. Um, by the way, I, I, I'm sure you would love the visual effects. I see somebody wrote this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> the last, the last shot, and, and there's like this constellation in the sky of a cow head. Okay. So the last shot of the movie, and if I and if I sound all over the place here, it's because I am. Uh, I can't wait. The last shot of the movie, the camera pans up to the sky, and you see the cowhead constellation, and then it literally talks, and that was the female narrator the entire movie. Cut to credits. <laughs> what? 
Print! Print! <laughs> <laughs> This is genius, right? <laughs> All right, so this movie makes no sense. We need a narrator. I'm Narr- putting the trailer in the description. Go for it. Uh, I, I, it I, is... I, I, I just shit two bricks, man. I don't even know what the fuck to do with that. Well, you know, I gotta go put that in the box next to fucking society. Like, I, I'm, like I'm gonna put this in a box of shit I don't know what to do with. It is so bad. You have to see it to believe it. Like, it's not even good bad. It's you know, just okay, bad, but so, you still have to see it. Okay, so let's talk about that. Like, by the way, we're making jokes about, like, somebody wrote that and then some... There were so many checks and fucking balances in film. Like, somebody had to write it. Somebody, somebody had, had to, to act it. Somebody had to act it. Somebody had to direct it. Somebody had to film it. Somebody had to finance it. Somebody and, had to edit it. Somebody had to mix the sound. Yeah, somebody, somebody had to approve the final <laughs> cut. 20 people, like, let this there shit go. There are financiers go. that get a say. And distributors that get a say. And then there was somebody who proved all of that. Beforehand. A studio that said, genius, print this money. (laughs) Print it. And it all started with a piece of pen and paper. Or a laptop, one of the two. God only knows anymore. It's going to be great. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. We're going to get the kid from watching all the way to be in Star Wars. It's going to be great. It was a good decision, Mark. <laughs> well, George, it's, it, um, uh, you know, I don't know, George. It doesn't sound like a really, I don't know. It's going to be great. I'm in Star Wars. It's going to be great. The, <laughs> okay, George, I guess we'll follow you into this one. The, um, uh, and then, uh, well, uh, George, episode one didn't really work out too well. What else do you got? Uh, well, um, uh, we're going to get the kid who uh, was in an episode of Goosebumps. It's going to be great. <laughs> the, um, uh, you know, he's going to play Anakin Skywalker. It's going to be great. Uh, and then we're going to get Natalie Portman coming back. And she's going to be 10 years older. And uh, they're going to be in a romance together. It's not going to work. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be great. <laughs> and, uh, God. This is what happens, kids, when you don't say no to people that you like. Like, you need to be honest with your friends. And Mark, be honest with the creative people around the you. The movies were great. Stop. Like, no, uh, leave my hand alone. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> all right. I, and then I do have one more movie. Um, I missed all of that. Um, uh, is By the way, real quick uh, side thought. Stephen King actually did write, uh, wrote a, um, a novel that was very similar and the, uh, thematic. It was called... 10 o'clock smokers. I don't yeah. believe... Uh, 10 o'clock people. 10 o'clock people. They, I don't believe they ever did any, any visual no, at, one. No, at some point, I think, um, uh, the guy that directed Fright Night and Langoliers and The First Child's Play was going to direct it at some point, um, but I don't think it ever came to pass. Oh, that's too bad. Um, essentially what it is is... Um, and I think Bradley Cooper was attached to Star at one point. That would, See, that would have been cool. It's a cool huh. concept. Essentially what uh, what's going on is it's in the distant future where... Um, where smoking has been pretty much banded, uh, you know, from all of it, except at 10 o'clock. Um, all people who smoke who are like, I don't know, 10 people actually have an opportunity to go smoke, but it's only at 10 o'clock. And these people actually are the only ones that can see an alien invasion about to happen. Like, because they're smokers, they somehow they can see aliens. Um, uh, and, and it's thus the plot ensues. Um, which actually sounds like a better plot than that movie that you were talking about. <laughs> you can probably um, see aliens because is it because so? Okay, so what are the limitations? Is it cigarettes, weed? Cig- I think it's just cigarettes. Okay. That, that, that's that's the only the only thing that they you know, and they can see it. I guess the, through the through the smoke or then they're disguising. It's it's interesting, um, but Stephen King no, you know, so he does, does crazy it take shit. place in Maine? Uh, I would probably take a guess and say yes. David Everrunning joke that Stephen King has done horrible things to the Tourist Bureau of Maine. 
Oh my, <laughs> the, he has fucked them more than anybody else. They, yeah, they have to go on the internet and promise people. I swear to God, it's not that bad to come to Maine. The um, he's destroyed Maine's tourist economy um, uh, for years to come because no one wants to go to fucking Maine because Stephen King has pretty much permanently damaged their reputa- uh, their reputation because um, all the awful shit happens in Maine and then one bad thing happened in Colorado like that's it. <laughs> the um, uh, so uh, but anyway uh, the and then one other film too. It's not a popular choice, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I always have enjoyed it as the original Clo- Cloverfield. Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, it is science fiction. Um, uh, it is probably my favorite of the handheld found footage, footage movies. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people were you know, complaining at the time. It didn't do as well at the time. I think it's an interesting plot. I find it weird because I remember that movie. Everybody I knew was watching it. It was doing phenomenal, at least here and in my circle of people. Like I, I, I loved it. I thought it was. Oh, amazing. I loved it too. Because that was also the first found footage movie I'd ever seen before, and I thought, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Hey, that's a cheap way to film something. Maybe I could do that one day. I just had a bunch of people when we bought the tickets at my at my local theater. They were like, they're like, oh, if you get motion sickness, you know, in the theater, we can't refund your money. Like, it was shit like that. And, like, I'm like, are people really complaining about this? She's like, oh, my God, so many people. Dude, um, that Jason Gordon-Levitt movie that came out a few years back, the one where he uh, walks across the beam with... The, um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I hear, walk. Yeah, I hear it's, it's even at a 3D showing of it. People were getting just super sick over that movie. Really? Like, it was really affecting I, I didn't even hear about that. I just heard the movie was eh. Um, but I think was there was. I never got a chance to see it. I think there was a few cases at my theater because I was talking to one of my buddies when I was still working over there, and they, he was telling me about it. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, the um, uh, I I think it's a a really interesting movie. I've I've told it. I've never even told you, David, but um, I relate this to a um, Cloverfield to a novel that I that I read in um in my junior year of high school, which I really still remember. I always forget the name of it. And I swear I will look this up one day, or I'll ask somebody that was in that class. Essentially, what it is 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 a story of a a, a guy living in Antarctica. Um, he's on a sci- in a science station, and his dog runs out in the middle of a snowstorm, and he decides that he's going to go after his dog. Loves his dog, wants to go after him, and everything else. And then, um, and then countless bad shit just keeps cap happening and preventing him from getting back to the station. I think he finds his dog. And then, like, he breaks his leg and then, like, runs out of water and, like, all this bad shit happens. And the whole point of the story is is about decisions and choices you make and the consequences of them. And he was dead the moment he chose to, to leave that station. It was just life catching up uh, to him in a situation. That's, spoiler alert, that's how I relate Cloverfield um, uh, to that book. Because in the movie, they're all evacuating New York. And then one of their friends is still back um, in one of the apartments. And they all decide as a group to go and say, fuck it, we're just going to go back. We're going to go help our friend. And then they all die by the end of the movie. And it's that decision that they made right there. Instead of leaving New York, which they which they had all the time in the world to do so. And they would have survived. But because they chose to go back into the city to go do that, you know, sets of circumstances, you know, kept coming in. And they all eventually died. And it was that decision that they were dead the moment they made the decision. It just, life catches up to them. And overall, a very, very um, intense movie. Um, it really, really enjoyable. Um, it And also, too, the big part I loved about it, and I still love about it to this day, is that you don't get the whole story. 
Because that's exactly how it would be in that situation. Yeah. You, like these are regular people. There wouldn't be some some convenient scientist saying saying, "Oh well, this creature came from this planet and this and that." That would never fucking happen. You get one scene like that of a doctor like kind of explaining it, but he only knows so much too. While another character literally blows up, explodes because of an infection that they got from this particular monster. Um, it's it's very fast paced. It never lets go of what's it, what it's doing, and being a found footage movie and being you know of that genre, it's definitely a cut above the rest. It's probably one of my favorite sci fi horror movies, um, and I still enjoy it to this day. So, that's my list. It was a very great movie. It w- it really was. I mean, it it it, it didn't. It could have, and I love movies that have no right to be good. Because it could have sucked. It could have sucked really bad, but it didn't. I remember watching the behind the scenes features for that movie and seeing all the shit they had to do to get the visual effects done for that movie. Oh, I'm sure. Especially it was, with yeah. Shaky Cam 9000. It's like, tra- wow. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> That's motion That's tracking cool. at its finest. <laughs> like, no. This is Zach just trying to deal with that shit. Just ah, ah. They essentially had to remake the entire environment in CG so they could do yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, and then get the camera movements right and everything. It's a fucking nightmare. And you know what? And that's and that's where you have to build really strong sets and really. And they did. I believe they effects. built a blue screen set for that one, if it, I remember correctly. Yeah. The uh, that you know, like that and wreck. Um, uh, that's the French the French zombie film. Um, that's that's the remake. American remake is it was quarantine. Quarantine which is terrible. I heard Wreck yeah. was fantastic. Wreck is it is very very good. I it, I've not had the chance to see it all the way till the end, but it, but environmentally it's mm. fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I really so. like Cloverfield. Which um. So B man, I'll let you go to your list. Sorry about that. I was uh, I'm gonna that's all right. A bit. Um, we have a few minutes left in the card. Should we take a little break? Yeah, let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a little break. All right. little break. You're going to see a glitch transition in three, two. Not right now, because I chose not to do it right now. See, that's a twist. And you know what else is a twist? And we're back. All right, so my picks for... Oh, my goodness. Touch the hand mark. Yeah. Touch the bone mark. No. Zach, put it away. Oh, oh. And, it, and it, <laughs> it's funny because it sounded like we were talking about his penis. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> so, Brandon, um, what about your picks? <laughs> okay, so. Uh, yeah, of course, there's the classic alien. Um, I, I try and there Again, are Again, the golden child of sci-fi horror. And there are others that we've talked about before, like the fly and the thing. And I, I kind of just want to stay away from stuff that we talk about yeah. too much. I get it. Um, so one that I really like is 1997 cult sci-fi horror movie Cube. Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever even heard of that one. So it's basically a group of people trapped in this giant cube. And that giant cube is made up of rooms that are themselves cubes. Uh, They're very just mechanical looking rooms. And it's basically, they're trying to get out. It's basically like a maze. But the thing is, is that the rooms shift. So like two cubes might be next to each other, but then an hour later, they could be completely on the other side. So they're trying to figure out how to get out of there. But to make matters worse... Some of the cubes have deadly traps in them. 
Like literally the first scene of the movie is a guy who walks into a trap cube and basically there's like this metal grid that essentially slices him into little cubes. There's a lot of cubes in this movie. It is very cuby. Um, it was actually directed by the guy who went on to do the um, the unpicked up pilot for the Tremors series with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, he also directed Splice. He directed a few other things okay. too, mostly TV, I think. Uh, but it's a really entertaining movie. There were two. There was a sequel called Cube Two Hypercube. Um, what about Cube Three Cubert? No. Um, <laughs> Bad Zach. <laughs> Cube 2 was not good, but it's not good, but it's worth a watch for how bizarre it gets. And then the prequel, the third one called Cube Zero, was actually okay. It almost sounds like Saul with no jigsaw. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, like it just just is. Like there's there's nobody pulling the strings. It's just, you know, what is it? Well, that's what Cube Zero is kind of about. It's about the people behind the cube itself so it's like cube two is basically they get really weird like alternate reality ish with the hypercube thing and it just gets really bizarre and bad okay um and then cube zero the prequel which could have really taken place at any time really um there is a subplot with these two guys whose job is essentially to monitor the cube that the group of people are going through okay cool. um that one's actually worth the, if you like the first cube that one's actually worth the watch um and yeah it, it's a really entertaining movie the the it's the, the fun of the movie is discovering the traps for yourself and just seeing the characters interact with each other it's a really fun movie um, nice nice Never heard of that. I've heard of it. I never get the chance to see it. One that I saw recently because of our friend Justin is a movie called Brain Scan. I believe it was the first movie written by the screenwriter of Seven. Oh, really? Yes. And it stars Edward Furlong. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, All right. And basically, he's a gamer, and he gets this new virtual reality, virtual reality-ish game called Brain Scan. What year was this? This was ninety-four. So he's 94. still young. It, it, it's 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 before the uh, the controversy. Yeah. So it's like an interactive video game, essentially. And there's the IMDb for it. Yes. Thank you. Um. And so it's a game that essentially lets you live through the point of view of a serial killer. Um, it's, it's fucking Manhunt. Yeah. I have been dreaming about the Manhunt VR Only game. It's Dude, that'd be awesome. It would be Real amazing. Life. Okay. So it's Seriously. like he actually kills people in his neighborhood and then he thinks, okay, that was a weird game. Like after the first game session, it's like, all right, that was weird. I don't really remember much of it. But it turned out he actually killed like one of his neighbors or a teacher or something like that. And so then Frank Langella plays a detective. I think it was Frank Langella. Was it Frank Langella? Detective Hayden. Yeah. yeah, he plays a detective that's essentially trying to find who this killer is. And of course, Edward Furlong's the killer. And in the game, uh, there's this guy called the Trickster who's essentially like the movie's 
mascot. He's like the Freddy Krueger or the Jason Voorhees Mm -hmm. of this movie. He's the guy kind of egging on Edward Furlong. Uh, There's a weird deleted scene where Edward Furlong and the trickster get like fused together. Uh, They cut it though because the effects looks terrible. And on the Blu-ray, I don't know about the DVD, um, but the Blu-ray has that deleted scene. It's really more of a deleted shot more than anything else. And it looked pretty sorrowful. Um, It was an enjoyable movie though. Uh, Yeah. If, if, If you like... If, if you're interested in what early to mid-1990s thought of virtual reality... Uh, I'm sure it was interesting. It's that kind of movie. Which, that's a perfect segue into my next one. Oh, fuck. Um, which, this is a movie that, I, I when I first saw it, I never considered it horror. But I've seen a lot of people call it horror, so I guess it's horror. And that is The Lawnmower Man. Oh, have we not God. talked about this movie on this oh, podcast hundreds of times? We have talked well. about this movie, Jesus. Just in general, we've talked about this movie a lot. If anything, that's our third over talked about movie. Dude, literally. Okay, so Pierce Bronson is. Brosnan. Brosnan. James Bond, before he's James Bond, finds. is developing a virtual reality program to help intelligence of people that are not so intelligent. He finds a kid who's half retarded. Played by Jeff A. And then puts him in the virtual reality thing. And then he becomes so smart, he becomes smarter than Pierce's character. And then tries to kill him. And essentially tries to become the world's new god. The end. Um, I enjoy it. (laughs) Like, it's so... It's it's an interesting movie to say the least. It's out there enough that I can't be bored with it. And it makes me question the video game because the two are very different. You know what's and then there's Lawnmower Man Two Beyond Cyberspace, which flopped so bad that when it was released on VHS, they had to retitle it Lawnmower Man Two: Job's War. I remember I was at this um, thrift store with my mother. Um, I think it was like two, three years ago. Um, they had a VHS copy of Lawnmower Man Two. But it said something like retail copy not intended for viewing or something like that. And my thought was, I don't think any copy of Lawnmower Man 2 is intended for viewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, and it's, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that subgenre of early to mid 90s viewpoints of virtual reality, Lawnmower Man 2 is probably at the top of that list. Um, the effect sequences in the virtual reality are kind of cool. The effects don't really... They, it's 90s CGI. Yeah, like it's, it's 90s digital age CGI. It's cartoony enough that it can't not hold up, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, if it was meant to look real, it would not hold up. But it wasn't... It was. I don't think it was ever meant to look real, so because of that... It was meant to immerse you in a polygonal PlayStation 1 game style world. Yeah, so because it had that style to it, the effects do kind of age relatively well. I think the proper term is Hotkey 1. I forgot which one. There's two hotkeys. There's Hotkey 1, which is like the polygonal thing, and then there's Hotkey 3, which is... Nice, smooth, and all that. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting those backwards. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those. Okay, so so something really funny occurred to me. Um, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Pierce fan. I've been, I, I was, a, that was the James Bond that I grew up with. Same here. Um, yeah. I, so 
and I it also I love Mrs. Doubtfire. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, really? And it, it, it's up there. Um, uh, and and I hear him, especially when Robin Williams passed away, he would talk about like how he got that job. Like he was like, I really, you know, like like I got the job. I really needed the job, um, and I was really happy to get the job. Now I know why. Because the year before, he did Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Lawnmower Man was in 1992, and Mrs. Doubtfire was in 93. So now I understand why he was so humble to get the fucking job for Mrs. Doubtfire, because he never thought anybody was going to fucking hire him after Lawnmower Man. So, it, right. it gets weirder. Wait, so What year did he do James Bond finally? What was his 90, first time? Uh, 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 Golden Eye was 95. 95. Okay. okay, he was 95 or 96. Um... Yeah. It gets weirder. There's a very small role played by Dean Norris, who would go on to play Hank in Breaking Bad. Yeah, I, I know. I also know that he's in T two. Yeah. Um, the cinematographer was Russell Carpenter, who would go on to win an Oscar for Titanic, <laughs> and just finished filming the Avatar sequels. Are you sure? Um. <laughs> When it was first being marketed, it was marketed as Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, but Stephen King sued to have his name taken off. Because um, what happened, so the Stephen King short story, The Lawnmower Man, it's in the Night Shift collection. It's basically a lawnmower man kills a guy with a lawnmower. Uh, there's like some cult sacrifice stuff in there that's not really relevant here but it's literally a guy kills another guy with a lawnmower essentially okay um so new line essentially had the rights to that and then they also had a script called cyber god that had nothing to do with any of stephen king's stuff so they're just like to the screenwriter here take stephen king's the lawnmower man because we have the rights to it and this other script cyber god and make it so we can market it as Stephen <laughs> King's Lawnmower Man. This is, like, this seems, like, it doesn't even require that much noise. It's just... And this was a new not, line. Dude, it just, it's just like... Eh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> just like... It doesn't even require any of that explanation. It, Here's it, my question. New line. Was this at the point where Stephen King <clears throat> was giving his shit away for a dollar? No. When did that, start- that, that, that was that's something completely different. It is. Yeah, that, that's that was like there's like the Dollar Babies, which was like for certain student projects. He sold his he sold rights to short stories for student projects, but that was a long time ago. Um, I also remember seeing some piece of trivia somewhere that he sold the screen rights to Dreamcatcher for a dollar, but I don't know if that's actually true. Um, I remember that movie being very bad. I remember it being very eh. Yeah, I, I don't I, like. From the screenwriter of The Empire Strikes Back, Dreamcatcher. Wow. Wow. Sad. Almost as sad as Dean Cundy's career. Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, yes. It started with Halloween and you landed on uh, fucking Jack and Jill, didn't you, pal? <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> but yeah, so Lawnmower Man, it's enjoyable. Uh, the director's cut finally came out to Blu-ray, which I have yet to watch that version like two and a half hours don't you own it wow. i do own it um but i've only watched the theatrical cut on the blu-ray i've yet to watch the director's cut for some reason i got um, I, I gotta actually watch that all the way through i watched that on tv like forever ago which one lawnmower yeah. man 
the, uh, uh, that's got to be a night screening just where it's like, all right, well, we're doing this to ourselves. Click. And here Down we go. go. Yeah. Let's make that our next <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. Is it a good movie? Debatable. But is it a very watchable, very enjoyable movie? Yeah. Um, it, it's a weird one. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... There's a monkey with a virtual reality helmet in the beginning. Um, you have Jenny Wright of Near Dark fame playing uh, the horned up neighbor who then has a crush on the lawnmower man who starts getting super intelligent. Uh, and there's a very awkward sex scene with the two of them. And then there's even a more awkward virtual reality sex scene with the two of them. Like the room level awkward? No. <laughs> okay. This is the room level awkward is something completely. So no penetration that's illegal all its own. Yeah. No penetration to the belly button. Yeah, well, yeah dude, he has, <laughs> he has no concept of where a vagina is. Uh, so. <laughs> clearly. Clearly not. You do eventually get a scene where Job uses his telekinesis to kill a guy with a lawnmower man. So I guess that was kind of their justification for the Stephen King story. Dude, that was them filling a fucking quota. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. like, these beats need to fucking happen in the movie. Like Singular. Oh, okay. <laughs> this beat needs this to happen. This one fucking thing needs to um, happen. Which is funny, because, like, okay, if you go on YouTube, and when I say YouTube, I mean YouTube 10, 15 years ago... If YouTube even existed back then. 15? I don't know. 10? Yes. Whatever video website existed. Because, like, I first saw this movie in middle school. So this would have been, like, 03, 04, maybe early 05. Probably Google Video or Yahoo Video. Whatever video site existed at that time. If you watched the trailer on there, the first words in the narrator are from, like, from the imagination of Stephen King. And then it goes on into the rest of the thing. So it's like, from the imagination of Stephen King, the lawn, a, a story from the from the imagination of Stephen King, the lawnmower man. Who, who knows? Who cares? Um, you watch the trailer on like the DVD or the Blu-ray or any official release. It now goes, a story from the imagination, awkward silence, the lawnmower man or whatever it is. So it's like they, they, they had to remove Stephen King. Wow. And they did that name. fucking lazily. Yeah. Wow. What year did you say this movie came out? 92. Oh. Wow. Yeah, we weren't quite done with the 80s cheese at that point. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, we were getting the 90s cheese, which is science fiction. It was, it, it was enjoyable. 80s was horror, 90s was science, 2000s was... Found footage. Found footage. Was it? Yeah. Um, other than that, other notable ones, of course, they live the fluffy. I think I mentioned those earlier. Yeah. Um, the 1956 and the 1978 versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Of course. Oh, which I think I showed you and Wes the 78 version, which is really good. It is. It's uh, a really some good very movie. good effects too. The the opening scene especially is like I have that, never seen the original, although I haven't like seen bits and pieces. It's very good. The remake I've um, seen. Because of a certain cameo in the 78 remake, if you wanted to, you really could look at the 78 version as a sequel if mm. you wanted to. Um, Life Force, directed by Toby Hooper, essentially space vampires. Um, I think one of the effects guys of Star Wars did the effects for Life Force. 
I think it was, it might have been the guy that designed the Yoda puppet. I'd have to double check that. But uh, I do believe he called his work on Life Force some of his best work. Mm. Um, From Beyond, directed by Stuart Gordon, H.P. Lovecraft movie. Um, it's kind of like a spiritual re, uh, spiritual sequel to Reanimator in a way. Okay. And yeah, that's pretty much my list for sci-fi horror movies. Nice, nice. I think it's a pretty overall yeah. solid, a solid group of movies right there. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, and we we always love talking about lawnmower man. <laughs> the um. Uh, so all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my question of the podcast. Something I realize is that all everybody on this dais or on this um in this little group has actually been. On set for for all you know both episodes of Living Nightmares, so I think I was going to do something a little bit more unique, um, uh, maybe a little bit of a tiny bit of reminiscing, is I wanted everybody to maybe share um, you know a favorite moment, a favorite story, something they really enjoyed, something that was surprising on the two sets of of Living Nightmares. Um, uh, you I know, already know mine. I figured you would, um, uh, but um, but yeah, I, and I was going to start with our with our guest. I have to come back. To this uh, uh, come back to me. Oh wow! Uh, nice. So this was the first thing that happened when we got to the location for episode two, the bag lady. <laughs> uh, we actually paid the Chicago Film Office for our permit for a certain area. We had they had signs put us put up for us and everything. Uh, we got to the location and there was a car parked right in the middle of our workspace. And we got there, and we're just like, there's nothing we can do. We got to call a tow truck. It's right in the middle of our workspace. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing that could have been done. And uh, and 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 my my ass being the executive producer got on the phone and 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 had that some bitch towed. Yeah, it took uh, an hour to get there though. Oh, I was a pain in the ass. And I I guess where my because the reason why that's my favorite is sure. that's pretty much the moment that pretty much confirmed it for me is there's no telling us we're not professional like when we're able to get permits and be able to do that like it has nothing to do with the fact that we towed a car it's the fact that um we had cooperation from the city yeah absolutely absolutely it was definitely a um uh, unique feeling which Mm -hmm. that's something that i don't think any of us had ever even dreamed of when we were going through school Nope, that was entirely new to me. It's just like, holy shit, this is something we actually have to do. Wow, we we even have the we even have the sign. Yeah, it's right <laughs> there. Yeah, the um, uh, it's uh... clear as day, easily legible. But no, this <laughs> asshole's like, no, fuck them. I'm gonna park right here. I was you can't tell me what to do. Night, he was gonna come out, find his car missing, see his car missing, like, hey, where's my car? Dude, like never after, happened. After we got the car towed, and one guy was like talking to us across the street or like calling us out i'm just like oh fuck it's finally gonna happen said what are you guys filming oh it's one of them oh yeah i remember the first time somebody was he was uh trying to ask you guys what you were doing and i forget who it was it was a couple of you guys in the crew nobody really knew what to say to him and so i just kind of walked over and shouted back to him we're filming a horror series living nightmares look us up on youtube the um uh, and i love that one guy's response like he's like like, like, what are you guys filming? A horror series. 
cool, and then drove away. <laughs> and then there were the cops that stopped by, and they were just like, hey, we saw you filming. What, what are you working on? My partner's kind of curious. And it was like, horror series, Living Nightmares, look us up. They, That's really cool. My heart, my, they, they when were that so happened, fucking bored. I was going to say, <laughs> they were so bored. Here's the thing, that was when you guys were off doing a bathroom break, and I'm just sitting in my heart stuffed, I'm like, fuck, of course this is when Mark fucking leaves. I'm getting the permits ready, Brandon says his thing, it's like, oh shit, that was it? They, wow, okay, I'm glad we had these magical permits, because if we didn't, can we see your permits, please? Shit. Stop I, I've been stopped for, I've been on three sets that have, had been stopped either by cops or some kind of authority figure, and... The two where I was in charge, we had permits. Um, the first one where it happened was actually we were filming in a park and I was a PA for a uh, car shoot. Um, I don't want to say what brand of car, um, but it was from an ad that was actually going to end up being in Florida. So we had to find locations that could pass for Florida okay. in Chicago. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. It was not my job, thankfully. You can, yeah. do, you, can do, um, you can do the reverse, but it's very hard to do the the opposite. But yeah. yeah, we were filming in a park, and we weren't really in the park. We were like in the parking lot of the park. Um, but Still one of the counts. park rangers uh, stopped by the stopped with the director, and was like, "Do you have a permit?" And the director was like, "Well, I thought since this is a small production, we don't need a permit." And the park was like, "Nah, you need a permit. You got to get out of here." Um, Fuck. Like it was the, the guy acted like it was a total power trip for himself. <laughs> um, but nice. still, it's you gotta get permits for parks. That's just it's important. Yeah, it is yeah. important. They they can be expensive. You're you're um, not screwing with the park people. They will. Yeah, you, they they will object you. Oh yeah. Um, because the they know how much money those permits are worth, and they're like, "No, nah, we're not losing out on that funding. Are you out of your mind? No, you we, you're gonna need that permit." Yeah. Uh, the second time was when I was filming my Watergate documentary in Washington, D.C. Um, and so we were getting exterior shots around the complex and we we're basically across the street. Um, a cop did stop us and I had the, all the paperwork in my backpack. Uh, so we um, let him read that over and while that was going, the camera was on the tripod next to us and I had Matt and Freddie with me and we we're just kind of just chilling time to each other while the cop just kind of looked at the papers and he just goes okay everything's in order just make sure you don't film that building right there because that's the saudi arabia embassy so it was like okay we have no intention of filming that so it was like okay you should be good then um went on his merry way cool and then of course the third time was the Living Nightmares story that I just said. And they didn't even stop us. They just yeah. wanted to know they just what, wanted we to know what we were filming. Yeah, I'm just like, thank you, Chicago cops, being in an area where they have nothing to do. The um, Nor do they really care, thankfully. No, God, no. That's the best part. What They don't care that you're just like, as long as you're not bothering anybody. Dude, like like, I said, who cares? they were so bored. Like, it was the same cops that were sitting around. They were just waiting. They were just trying to find something to happen. That was their territory. So, like... You know, that, that's another good thing, too. It. It's just, like, at the very least, we didn't pay for cops to be around, but they were sure as shit there. Oh, yeah, they were very much around. Yeah, like, we could have like, easily just screamed, POLICE! And they would have been there within a second, just like, yo, what up? <laughs> Something's <laughs> happened. What's good? The, um, uh, so, David, did you give, did you give your, uh, any oh, thought? yeah, I mean... Let's, uh, let's hit it. it. There was a lot that I enjoyed there. Um, one that's important to me is environment. You gotta have a positive environment, and we have fun. On the, especially the first two episodes, man. We're, we're back there and behind the scenes joking around. I love that. 
It makes the work go by easier. Of course. It's amazing. Second, we got to um, play around with the uh, car mount for the second episode, which was really uh, cool. It's never um, worked with the car mount before, so that was pretty awesome. Neither, neither did we. Me. <laughs> When you were tying the knots for the uh, secondary restraints, you really looked like you knew what you were doing. Yeah, I was sweating a little <laughs> on the inside. I still say when you when you and um you were do- doing the roundabout for like going around and um getting that shot where you just speed off past the light. Oh, still say you guys should have stopped the car, Dude, took the camera. I, it would have been a great prank. I wouldn't have known how to fuck to do that. No, no there would have been no way for me Zach, to. Do- if he had done it, he would not be alive right now. <laughs> he would not have lived long enough to tell me it was a prank. I believe that. It would have been great because it's just like... Oh, no, would I would have never to... got out of the car. Yeah. I would have kept driving. I'd be it, like, it would have been ah, we lost the camera. <laughs> <laughs> you would have seen Brandon running down the street. <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> that actor would have been so scared. Oh, my God. He would have just oh, been yeah. telling it, just drive, drive! Oh, no, 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 no. I would have been fucking driving. He would have been a shotgun. I'm like... Either put a seatbelt on or tuck and roll, bitch. We gotta go. We, just <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. Well, with Brandon, though, I, I don't think there would have been any kind of emotion there. He would have just been Zach Knife. <laughs> oh, no, no. It would have it been like the, T, the T-1000 in, yeah. in T-2. We've been running like this shit. <laughs> it would have been the so like Eddie, I would have been like Eddie for while I'm trying to get my fucking car to start. <laughs> come on! Come on! He's getting us. Arnold Schwarzenegger, come on! Do it! <laughs> now! I need somebody to do the, chuck, the shotgun twirling. The, um, uh... yeah, what's interesting is we've gotten so many people, especially that last, the final shot in the episode where it's the close-up of Jonathan's face as he's freaking out after he drives off. Um, and he's just like speeding and we've had no less than two people ask us, how did you get that shot? Uh, like Marcus said that's his favorite shot in the entire episode. I was like, I have no idea how you guys got it. And my dad, when he watched, he said, I, I see the actor and I see the reflections moving in the windshield and on the actor's face. So either did you guys film it on a green screen or Brandon, were you laying on the front of the car? speeding at like 40 what, what was he pushing at that point like 40 at least at least 35 40 30, at that. yeah i was That's, by the way for everybody uh, i yes. was i was doing a, a second direct uh second, unit, second direct, unit unit directing on that shot so um and yes he was pushing about 40 miles an hour and he's doing a great job oh that was the, um, uh, i just love how your dad became charlie day there for a second and everything <laughs> else like if you were on the windshield and then if the flux capacitor needs the delorean to go to eight and a half miles an hour then then a plus C equals fish. I don't know. It's going to be great now. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Zach, favorite story from you? Um, um, off the top of my head, I think my favorite moment was getting the panning shot in episode one. Because that was just a very great shot. It's my, it's my favorite shot. Oh, of, the, the very last? Yeah, the very oh, last yeah. shot where it's Dolly is. Shot. Like, yeah. Like, getting that shot, I'm just like, no, I need this shot to happen this way, and I want it, and we got it. Even though your back was about to break in half, apparently. Which it wasn't originally supposed to be like that. It wasn't, but due to how things were, I saw, I'm just like, no, let's get it like this, let's try yeah, to make it happen. Because we were running short on time, so it was originally supposed to be them entering, 
and then it was going to be like an over the shoulder, I think, and then it would end on the shot of the window. End on the window, yes. And, um, and, I forget what the exact shot yeah, was. I just remember you and I trying yeah. to be as flat no, as no, no, we no, no, possibly It wasn't could. just you two, so I, I would get everything set up, I'd get the clapper, yeah, I'd do the thing, and then I would lay down like this while we're pushing the no. fan up, trying to get the curtain going and everything I like know, that. I, Brandon's huddled behind the wall with the camera doing this, just trying to turn it as smoothly as possible, whilst also doing the focus yep. pull, and it's just like, shit, we did like what? It was hard. I think we did at least eight or nine takes of yeah, that Yeah, it was a lot. And I and I am so happy, the other shit I'm happy about though too is the, is the hallway shot, which Brandon and I actually came up with in the scouting of the location. Um, I, it's a shot, I, it was pain in the ass. But I'm really glad that we got it. Both of those shots were a pain in the ass, but I love them to death. It was. Yeah. The, um, uh, Me, it's... I feel there are things that could have been done better about the panning shot. Um, but that's just me as a DP. It's like, if I knew... like, Because we had to, we pretty had to improvise that shot. So yeah, yeah, most of that scene we had to improvise. Yeah, just so because we had to improvise that shot because of time, it's I, I, do think, I do truly believe that that was the best the shot could have been with the circumstances we had. But I do know that if we had actually planned for the shot to be like that from the beginning, there are things that I feel I could have done better if we knew it was going to be like that from the beginning. Either way, I'm still very happy with how both of those shots turn out, especially that last one. Yeah, we had to improvise a lot for the first uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I remember me and, me and Mark were on audio. The- yeah, oh, God. <laughs> so, the, we uh, had a gasher no, and an actor on sound. On sound, I Which, yeah, we're like, what? Know all aspects of film because you know, of course, you never know where you're gonna end up, yeah, especially if you're like new independence. So, like, oh, yeah, you gotta fill it, you fill in when you fill in. And then we, oh, yeah. you know, we, we got Colin for this episode too, which is great. Um, he my, was amazing. My, yeah. my two favorite, um, uh, my three favorite memories actually are, and, and funny enough, all of them are from the first episode. I don't know why. I was gonna say, a lot of entertaining stuff happened, yeah, it's episode. just like the minor, the minor things, like that shot was one thing. You two huddling behind the counter in the kitchen. That's one of my favorite ones. Like, like, every time I see that shot, I laugh my ass off. Because it's just like David and him are right there. Every time I, I remember that. Every time I, every time I, really? everybody after they watch the first episode, I tell them I was like, hey, you know, uh, you know that scene where he's at the countertop and everything else. Me and David are right the fuck there. The um, just chilling. Just a boom mic right under his like kit. Like that's why the audio sounded so damn good right there because they got crisp clean audio right We're there. We're literally standing. You know, right there, and actually, it's amazing <laughs> that you and I didn't break each other, considering we were standing right the fuck yeah. next to each other. Just one of these assholes forgot to move the remote. The we told the story so many times, we don't need to tell it again. David, did you know this story? No, I did not. Okay, all right. So it, you have to know. Okay, so all right, I'm gonna add this. I'm gonna tell my two other stories, and then I will promise I will come back to this story because this is a post story. Um, the other, the other, there's two post stories to episode one that, that he hasn't heard. Uh, I don't know about the other one, but um, oh yeah, I do know about the other one. Um, <laughs> Which is actually kind of his fault. No, it's his fault. No, it is his fault. He was holding the mic. I was not. Uh, anyway, all right, we'll see. Uh, anyway, and, it's and, supposed to be camera. Keeping an eye out. Okay? Oh, Wes was operating. Wes was operating. Okay, then, he, then it's his fault because he was supposed to give me an eye line. And, you know, you know, the, and his defense, he's the one who caught it, so he fixed his own problem. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I can live with that. Fair enough. I'm, we accept that because uh, he's not here. Um, uh, my other, my two favorite memories though is uh, was actually doing the um, the actual shot of him walking on the sidewalk, which I loved, um, uh, and it was a, it was a really 
quick split decision that we all made that ended up turning out really well. Nothing like how it was in the shot. No, it was supposed to be nothing like that. It was so different. Sunset on a bicycle. No, it's dark, rainy. There's Christmas decorations all over the place. In the script, he's riding a bicycle. We never fucking pulled down the bike from from the top of my garage. We saw the weather and like, yeah, that ain't happening. All right, what if we get him walking? Oh, good, it's downpouring. All right, uh, get in the car. We'll do a tracking shot of him driving and... Uh, best best reason to have walkie-talkies was because of that. Because It was excellent to communicate that way. Now, one one thing. My favorite part about that whole sequence, out of all the like, hundreds of cars... That's my favorite story. That, yeah. What my, uh, that's my, one of my favorite stories. Is all the other cars were all cool, except one asshole that decided to just lay on the horn because we were going too slow. Had no observation of anything else that was fucking going on. Literally 15 cars passed us. That was the one asshole that had a problem with it. Oh, it was more than 15 cars. Like, cars kept coming at the most inconvenient of times. (laughs) Ruining the sound of the shot. I'm just like, you bastards. And and a part that does bother me a little bit and is a little bit of a fuck up, but it shouldn't bother me as much, is the fucking garage door is open when he walks up to the front door. And you can clearly see through through the window in the garage to the other side. That the, that the garage door is open. Um, uh, and I don't know why it That's something me. I didn't notice it, at all, nor do I care. I, I, I don't know. It, it bothers me. Um, the, other, uh, the other story, unfortunately, David and Brandon weren't present for, um, uh, but and took up about 25% of our budget, was buying my dad and his girlfriend, oh Sarah, dinner the night before. I don't care. <laughs> and it was a blast. It was a great experience. It was, it was a blast. We had a, we had a fucking blast. Uh, uh, we laughed. Actually, we laughed just as hard as we laughed on that set. I love to say that's the best mafia experience that wasn't a mafia experience that I'm ever <laughs> gonna have. Literally, we pull up I to have the no back. No idea what this man is talking about. Like no, like we literally pull up to the back. It's just like, all right, what, what? It no, we can just leave it here. They don't care. Wait, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Walks in. Your dad walks in like he owns the place and everything. I'm just like, wait, he could. Uh, uh, okay, this is kind of cool. Get a table. Get the premium treatment and everything. I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it cost us about about the level of awesome that it would have cost. Worth us. it. They <laughs> also worth it. It was it was it was it was a nice little bribe for them uh, to let us use their their house the next I'm day. Not complaining. Not complaining at all. So, um, so the post story that you didn't know about was in that scene where you and I are, are below the actual uh-huh. counter. One of the universal remotes is sitting on the other counter, on the other side. Nobody fucking saw that. Uh, saw like uh, that remote while we were filming until Brandon and I were in post. Zach didn't even see it, and and I was watching the shot. And I leaned over to Brandon, and Brandon already knew too. He already saw it, but I went. Brennan, you see that you see that fucking remote? Yep. And he's like, Yep. And like, you're thinking what I'm thinking? Yep. Yep. You hoping the does isn't? Yep. So and, we, and we even sat paying, there in panic. We're like Like we weren't even paying attention to anything else in the scene. We we're just like every time this we cut back to that angle where it was like remotes there, remotes there, remotes there. So we were just like And then the scene cut and it was over and the remote didn't move. And it was like, okay, let's go oh back God. and actually watch the scene oh for what we need to watch oh, it for. Oh my God. I can't imagine what the fuck would happen if that remote just decided to dance or disappear (laughs) or do whatever. And then the other story was in the hallway scene, you can see the boom mic. Here's the thing that pisses me off about it. was my fault, Mark. It was in your hand. It was in your hand, sir. You were holding the boom mic. I was holding the actual recording. Literally, the day before we're about to post the episode, I'm letting Wes see it. Every 
five minutes, I'm getting another text message. There's this, you can see this, you can see this. And then he tells me that, and I go look, and I fucking see it. I call Mark, you son of a bitch! And my response was, I wasn't fucking holding the boom mic, I don't even... I don't care. You're in charge of audio. This is your fault. But now, but now we've we've gone back to to Wes. It's, it's ultimately Wes's Wes fault because he was AC and he didn't see it. Yeah, AC's fault. Came up. <laughs> oh, sorry. Either way, I'm just like I got a fucking met. That shit took me four hours. I'm just like motherfucker. Was worth it. Yeah. Wes catches a lot of things. Oh, that, yes, he does. He's the greatest scripty, and he well, doesn't want to be a scripty. Obviously, he didn't catch it on set. Come on. It's because he was too busy running back and forth and yeah, shit. Yeah. Was. I like, <laughs> we go through the first like four takes of that, and then I look at the shot, I'm just like, wait a minute. Look at the door. There's a do not enter sign on that door and tape. Cool, we gotta redo all these takes. Rip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just like, alright, let's do it from the top. That's fucking wonderful. I think we only needed three more takes after that, and we got nah, the shot on yeah, like the yeah. final one, and it was perfect. So. Hey, hey David. Um, uh, one question I do have. and uh, How bomb is our, is our crafty? He just loves talking about our crafty. Because our crafty is amazing. It's crafty is amazing, but still, you uh, over I've, I've, I've experienced some pretty crappy crafty. No, and that's absolutely I've true. I've experienced but... no crafty, so <laughs> any crafty is, any crafty. is great. <laughs> Simple man, Dave. I'll take any food at all. I'm good. I'm just going to say, you, you, if you keep overhyping it, there's going to reach a point where it's just like... I'm, I, I, you know what? This is my last time hyping it. Yeah, yeah, please do. You it say that, great but crafty, I don't believe okay? Was, you shouldn't. I got, I got more than one chicken wing, you know? I was there, too. Oh. I know that story. Let's, But let's move on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on, kids. It's a story we're not telling for at least another maybe few, few years. years. Yeah. So, all right. So, hey, B-Man, um, we all went through our favorite stories. My uh, question of the podcast is over. So you may go into uh, the production side. All right, so uh, costume and set design and its importance. Um, when you make a movie, you're essentially creating a false reality for your audience. Um, escapism is another word. Basically, you want to draw your audience into the story as best as you can. Um, and I feel like, especially on the lower end, the lowest end of independent productions. Um, set and costumes production design and costume design get overlooked um, there's just something about like filming in your own apartment that just feels like you're just filming in your own apartment um, like going through school there have been so many apartment shorts that it's like I don't ever want to film another white wall apartment again yeah. And if you are filming in an apartment, there are things you can do to help out with the set design. Um, like this little display right here. Our podcast would feel a lot more empty if we didn't have all this horror memorabilia on this little table here. Even though you can't see the posters. like There's you can great still, posters yeah. up here too. But you can still kind of see them... <clears throat> at the top unfortunately there's really nothing we can do right now with the blinds but even having even having something there on the walls is better than i'll get a neon sign for this one day too specifically um if your short is supposed to take place at a bank for a bank robbery and you're using a cellar it's not going to look convincing 
Okay, I feel like there's a story behind that uh, comparison. Uh, I think this is a story I heard from you. Wasn't there a student film that you saw that was supposed to be like a bank robbery, but it took place in like a basement or something? I know I heard that story from somebody in our circle. Not that I can think of. Okay. Um, That's an interesting one. There's another uh, trailer I saw from a filmmaker that I almost worked with. And it was actually this trailer that made me decide not to work with this person. Um, It was supposed to take place in the 1940s Hollywood. Um, Here's another thing. Don't use crappy green screen in place of a location if you can't afford good <clears throat> visual effects. Um, I guess there, like in the trailer, there's like a 1940s Hollywood red carpet premiere, and the background is literally just like a picture taking off of Google Images. Okay. Um, if your movie is supposed to take place in like a mental institution. Even if you don't have access to a mental institution, which who wants to film at a mental institution? Yeah. You can rent like a stage or even if you're filming in your own apartment. Do something, like actually make it look like. I was going to say, I know somebody who built a padded room just for that. Wasn't that uh, Lewis who did that? Yeah, Lou, it was uh, Crystal's uh, music video. I never saw it. Did, how'd it turn out? Or did you ever no. see it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like, he like, built that set. Yeah, so. actually build your set as much as you can. If it's supposed to take place in a mental institution, um, but it's like you have your own personal library with, like, Harry Potter books and everything, it's yeah. like, it, it, it doesn't look real. Yeah. Um, it's all about looking real for your audience. Um, it, it, it's, and I'm kind of grasping at straws here because, like, I don't want to embarrass other fellow filmmakers with their names and everything. Well, um, well let's say what I'll make a make a very very practical yeah. point on this is that one of the biggest questions I've asked people that I know and trust and love is, "Hey, what do you think of the production quality of uh, of our, sh- our shorts?" And then you know they say, "Oh, it's really really good." How much money do you think that we spent on this? And and they and they'll put their guesses in and you know and everything else and and then I'll say no not even close it's way down here, just by adding simple touches into your production and saying hey you know just simple little things and it can exponentially yeah. increase the value of what people think your production quality is and the ultimately the whole point is I don't know you know I don't know what everybody's motivations are for doing this I know everybody on this day's motivations is to eventually get out of our day jobs and be able to do this professionally because we all love it and we would love to just do it all the time. And But there's a business aspect of this is that you can prove to an investor, to another person saying, hey, look what I did with X amount of money. $300 and then they can and they say, imagine if I had $10,000. You know, imagine what I can do. And it's those small attentions to detail that will attract the attention of those people that may be interested in your product, interested in your services, and say, hey, you know, I want to invest in you or invest in your project and your company, whatever the case may be is. It's just those little touches, those little things, little finite details that will double the value of what people think you're doing. Snapchat nightmare would have been a completely different feeling had we not had a nice house to film in. If we filmed in like this apartment here, it would have been... It would have had an entirely different yeah. feeling. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it would have. I mean, it, it definitely would have. So I'm actually kind of curious from your point of view, because you've been an actor, you've been in a lot of independent productions. Um, so you, you as an actor actually have to inhabit the, the set, essentially. Correct. You're the one wearing the costumes. Has there ever been a set where it's just like, this isn't believable for my character. Like, this set just doesn't look like where my character would be. This costume is not what my character should wear. You know what? The 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 lucky thing of the situation is that I, I haven't been in that situation. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in a situation where I thought that this isn't what my character would be wearing. Uh, I've, I've experienced a little bit of that in the theater world, but not so much in the film world. Um, a lot of the stuff I've done has been pretty modern for the most part. I've done a few period pieces here and there and a few situations where you know things were different, but the atmosphere was always correct um, uh, for me. I was very lucky, but but the thing is, though, you ha- as a production company, you have to provide that environment to make it work, to make it... You know, a, a lot of people think that... There's so much that goes into acting. So much that goes into acting. It, it really is a craft. You know, the same way that a carpenter is a craft or an electrician is a craft. You really have to work at it. But you also have to have the right tools, the right environment. You know, you have to be in the right state of mind to do this stuff. And your job as a production company, as a director, a DP, you know, as a production designer or as just a production company is to make everyone's job jobs easier so they can pull out the best possible product and i can tell you that if an actor isn't in the best possible environment they'll do their best no they'll absolutely do their or at least they're supposed to do their best um uh, not some of the stories i've been hearing this afternoon um uh, that from you guys (laughs) jesus um but if you if you take that little bit of extra time putting some value into your production putting some value into your costumes your settings it will. And after an unexpected battery dying, yeah, uh, we are back. Problems on sets, they happen. That's uh, what happens when you're doing a multi-camera podcast recording with no camera operators. Can't yeah. we just plug the camera into the wall? I don't have the means to do that yet. Mark, can you continue? Fair enough. So... Just by putting your actors in the correct environment um, and making a world that is believable to their particular character will elevate their performance to a place that that may not have been able to be get there in an environment that's not conducive. You know, to everything that you guys were talking about the, you know, when it comes to environments. I mean, take it from take it from somebody. Uh, this is actually a ritual that I do. And I was thinking about it while we were fixing the other thing. Uh, I actually, um, uh, when I, and this started a long time ago, when I was, when I was 10, I went to a, a themed party for my neighbor. He was crazy into dinosaurs. This is when like the Lost World came out. So like, 97, 97, 97, like dinosaurs were, were the shit. Um, uh, so they had like different themed rooms for different parties. And in the way back was an archaeological dig for six-year-olds. And uh, I had no interest in that at all. I, like, I, I checked it out for like two seconds and then, and, you know, it was whatever. Um, so I asked the person if I can go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom and, uh, and then I walked out. But I didn't want to go back right away. So there was a, um, a little stage in the front area. 
and um, and I walked up on it, and there was a whole like there's chairs out there and everything else, and I just hung out up there. Uh, I I did I did a little I guess I did a little performance to the best of my memory. I did a little performance. What the fuck I was talking about? I had no idea. I was like seven. Um, I the um, but I I walked up on stage and I and I kind of got the feel for it, and I think in that moment I realized that I wanted to be up there all the time. The I uh, wanted to perform all the time. Um, and it's why I fell in love with acting and it's, and, and by the way, I still do that to this day. Every single time that I'm, I'm on a, on a film set or on a, um, you know, if I'm acting on a film set, a stage, whatever, I'll show up about 20 minutes early and I will just walk the stage or I'll walk the set, get, get familiar with the environment, get familiar with the settings, where everything's at, um, you know, think about the character and think about how the character would work in this environment. Um, you know, if there's a couple doors, I'll go and fuck with the doors, you know, I'll, you know, I'll run or, you know, run around and I'll see what this room leads to and what this leads to. Um, it's kind of like when you were a kid and you were in office max and you're fucking around with the fake, with the, the fake office shit. Um, and, and I just get a kind of a feel for it and, and it really, really helps. It helps me become, one with the set it helps me with my performance and it's, it's also time for me to relax and 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 not and just get centered and and it works it's my meditation beforehand and and i that wouldn't be possible if i didn't have a believable set in order to interact with and that's just one tradition for one actor i have no traditions I mean, rituals and other things vary from performer to performer but that tradition wouldn't be possible without an unbelievable environment for me to be in. And I, I have not done that ritual. I don't know. I can't remember. can't remember where I haven't done that ritual where I haven't acted. I don't know. I have no idea. I've done that ritual in some form or the other for a very long time. And, um, and I don't know how my performance would, would be without it. So... And again, that's just one story. So it's in your best interest from an acting perspective, from your actor's perspective, to have an environment that is conducive to their character and they can give you the best possible performance. Um, I know it works for me. Yeah. And uh, in set design, production design, uh, there are a lot of little minute details that go into it too. Like with Living Nightmares episode two, The Bag Lady, mm -hmm. We want to create a sense of isolation. And the thing is, even though we were filming at like 2, 3 a.m. There's still people in the street. There were still people in the street. There were still the occasional cars passing by. We had to be very careful about what takes we used. If there was a car passing by or if we could hear a car in the sound recording. There was even, I think it was like two or three frames in the background that I had Zach mask out. We could just very much in the back window, you would just see like one little glare of a light. Oh no, I saw that. And um, here's the thing that you didn't know about that shot was that was just an unfinished mask when you saw it because mm -hmm. originally a car actually passes by that whole frame. Okay. Yeah, so that's just one of the things you just didn't see. I just so I that. I only saw the little bit in the background. Yeah, pretty right. much. So the, but, yeah, in that whole. Regardless, though, those yeah. two or three frames took me out of the isolation. Correct. There was a lot of lights and cars I had to mask out of that just because the performances were so good. Like, 
Even the very first, well, not the very first, second shot of the film where they're driving, you got the two characters driving and they're talking and stuff, there's a fucking asshole car that pulls in at one point, and you can see it all the way in the back, the headlights and everything like that, and I spent like a day and a half trying to figure out, alright, how am I going to mask this out without affecting all the lights, that it's because it's hitting, the cars are reflecting the light and everything like that, so I had to spend like a day and a half trying to figure out how I'm going to mask that out, to where it's not really noticeable. It's still there, you can see it, but I make it dim and stuff like that to the point where it's not as noticing and it affects the other shot. It's it's weird. And then, you know, there's a plethora of other scenes where there's cars where I'm just like, mask gone, mask gone, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. All to create a sense does, of he, isolation for the character. He does that yeah. when he's in front of his computer. <laughs> the, um, what if, you know, and everybody wondering, why the fuck you think Jaws took so long to film? It wasn't just all the dealing with the salt water and shit like that. It was all the sailboats they, they, they were going to the fucking frame. Like, you know, like... And I remember Are the, you guys filming a movie? I remember... I remember Imagine the, that in the middle of the... Just a lake, water, beach, ocean, wherever. That's that's worse than You guys than filming a movie? Like, no, no, no. Like, I mean, like, the one guy, you know... I remember one of their, uh, one of their guys on set knew as they were interviewing him in that documentary... And he's like, it's like, like you know, like you would have sailboats that would come out from all the islands and everything else. You can't have those sailboats out there. It looks like people are having fun. <laughs> the, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, and Steven Spielberg had to make decisions like, like, hey, there's a sailboat coming, but it's not in frame yet. We got about like ten minutes. Let's see if we um, can go and do the shot. Like it, it, it's it, that's the reason. That's why something I took you don't think going. of when you're shooting in the ocean. Like hold for sailboat. <laughs> you. F- Freaking serious? Yeah, I remember Richard Dreyfus was, was saying like, like you would have to wait for the sailboat to go by, and you hope that this didn't happen. The new <laughs> fucking sailboat would come by. The um, uh, Richard Dreyfus is great. Yeah. The, the, what was uh, what was uh, Roy Schneider's uh, um, uh, line and everything else? It, it doesn't. It, it isn't the time that it takes to take the uh, take the shot, but it's time bet- between the. Uh, it's the time that it takes between the takes. That takes the time to take. The, uh, that was his fucking line, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Great movie. But, God, that set must have went through so much hell. No, it, it not must did have. It Spielberg did. skip out on the last shot? He did. He's yeah. like, I'm going home. I'm not <laughs> coming back. I'm going home. You can't make me. I've been through enough hell. They were on the, he was on the plane with Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus turned up and was like, hey, um, how'd the last shot go? He's like, it's happening right now. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so set design is very important. Yeah, you're creating an illusion here. You gotta remember that. You're creating an emotion, an overall like mood for the film. Yeah, right? like so, it's very important for your senior short film. Didn't you digitally create a gate? I did. Yeah, the whole wall. Basically, the um, the scene is they're taking the main character into an insane asylum. And there's a fake, like, big gate. There's a sign there. There's a brick wall. All digitally put in. So, because I didn't wow. have the location. Also I didn't create, have the time, the money. So to create a sense of this is a very exactly, security-driven um, place. It comes down to, like, my last project I did in film school where um, the scene called for... Well, the, the script was about um, reimagining a scene from a film. So I did Pulp Fiction. So the scene is... Woman's giving birth, and the whole scene with um, uh, Samuel Jackson is like, uh, you know, what's my name? You know, what, what, say what again? That's the scene that I chose. But so the um, my script is the girl's giving birth, so we're we're throwing we're doing all that, and then the scene takes place in the hospital. 
So I did minor details like um, Mark was talking about. I bought uh, blackout curtains somewhere around the, um, or to cut off my apartment because we shot in my apartment in there. I rented like a, a hospital bed, uh, scrubs for the doctor, um, gown for the girl. So it was uh, important to create that sense of we're in the hospital. I was say, you actually did it. Now really that I think about it, you did a lot for that one. Yeah, but it was more cheap, than that though. project. Need like dessert, like especially for that class. Oh my god! I did, but it comes down to like what Brandon said too. If you had the choice between doing a green screen and building your own set for cheap. <laughs> yeah. So find it, stuff that you can return. Yeah. Practical will always win out. Exactly, and that is exactly what I did. I returned the curtains back yeah. to Target. <laughs> so Zach, any any thoughts on that about set design? Uh, it's super important. Um, I think the one that set design and costume definitely had the biggest influence on me, and I really uh, took into consideration how important it was. Was for my dream sequence, which I shot. Four or five years ago, at this point, um, pretty much this girl, she going out on her back deck and laying right in front of her pool and everything like that. So, I shot this at my mom's old place in the backyard and house. Kind of looked like crap, but um, the pool looked great. The deck where the pool was looked great. So I'm just like, all right, how can I spiff this up, make it look fancier? And um, Wes bought a lot of his kit, his fog machine, his like LEDs and stuff like that. And he threw out the idea. He's like, what if you take these LED strips and put them around the actual rim of like the fence and um, like the railing and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's a freaking great idea. So, and they were multicolored too. So when we put them up, we turned them blue and everything like that. And I'm like, that's good. So we're going to start the picture off where the blue, lights are blue. And then she falls asleep. And then the whole dream sequence starts happening. The demon starts torturing her and all that. Um, she goes through three different locations. A dark abyss, a pool, and um, eventually this dark, decrepit-looking chamber that was really just my parents' basement. And, um, yeah, I did a whole bunch of things. Like, when she wakes up from the dream and she's possessed, the lights turn aren't blue anymore. They're red. Um, there was uh, I changed the color of the fog. And I, I did a lot for that one. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. First night was a little bit crazy though. I didn't get. It actually didn't go the way I originally intended. So what I originally wanted to do was, um, instead of doing the dark abyss, that was thought of last minute because we didn't have enough time to film everything. I wanted to shoot my back alleyway just because I could get all three dungs and huh. all three uh, scenes done in one night. But due to time constraints, it's just like no, this yeah. isn't happening. Everything was taking too long to do. So I wanted to get those two scenes done at the very least because those the beginning one and the end one were the most important. And then I thought about it. I'm like, all right. Instead of reshooting here, because that would be a pain in the ass, what else can I do to make it work? And then I thought, oh, I could just go in the green screen room, turn it into a dark abyss. Thank you, David. And, uh, yeah, everything will work out just fine. And it ended up doing that, and it looked great. And I still love that piece to this day. It's one of my favorite things that, like, I personally did, you know, directing, writing, and all that stuff. And it was fucking awesome. It's gory. Yeah, the effects were great. Everything about it, I love it's important. Texture definitely, I think, is probably the most important part for like set designing and costume. I think yeah. you, you just gotta know. Um, you know, you have to think about: do you want the wardrobe to be, you know, shiny, sheer? And then you have to think about the lights. So texture is definitely important. Like Zach was talking about the fog, you know, to create that eerie atmosphere helps the mood and the overall experience for the viewers. So. Yeah, like my demon, I wanted to be like this soulless, faceless, dark, demonic thing of a husk, so I'm just like, all right, what can I do? Originally, I wanted to have smoke and fog emit from the body, but I didn't have enough time or money to build the contraption yeah. that would have been needed to do that. 
So it was either do that or I sacrificed the uh, pool fog. And I'm like, no, we need the pool fog. So I did that. Yeah. Um, essentially, what I did to create the costume was just give her a full black mask so the character could see through it. And um, give her this thin red, this thin black hoodie that looked kind of like a reaper's cloak and all that. And it worked out just yeah. fine. She was able to do the sleek, creepy movements and all that. And she was able to breathe underwater somehow. Yeah. <laughs> the texture yeah. um, in that uh, music video he's talking about helped us a lot with lighting. Because everything, we had a bounce coming from. We had the fog, point. we had the water, we had the chains. It helped texture is very important the one thing i will say too because um about costumes in particular you know even if you have a modern piece where you know where you dress like us and everything uh, ask questions and pay attention to it um you know i understand that a lot of times it's really easy to just say oh well this character is a normal person and everything else just bring what you normally wear no Think about their personality. Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. Think, of, ask questions about this particular character, and then talk with your actors, especially the directors that are out there listening. Talk with your your costume designer and your costume supervisor and your actors, and say, "Hey, you know, I know you are for this independent feature, uh, bringing your own clothes, but what do you think that your character would be wearing?" And then go ahead, and give me uh, three options, take pictures of them, and then send them to me the night before. I'll take a look at them. And then I'll tell you which one to send. And if you're not, and if you're not hundred percent sure, uh, just by doing the pictures, have them bring all the outfits. There, there's a way to figure it out. Yeah. Have them bring all the outfits, and then they can try them all on, and then you make a decision. Don't just settle for oh, it's a modern piece, and they can just wear whatever. Yeah. No. I think about color too. Color, color schemes well. for films can really add to the tone. Um, like I think of the first season of Breaking Bad. Uh, Vince Gilligan was very adamant about Purple. the color of his character's costumes. Like, he would have uh, Skylar, Walter White's wife, wearing blue because she's, like, in like the in his innocent part of his life. But then Jesse, the person that Walt's cooking the meth with, he's wearing yellow because of how frantic his life is. And then Walter would often wear a lot of green because he's caught in between the two worlds there. And as the series progresses, the colors of the characters' costumes do reflect the changes within the characters themselves. Uh, so Breaking Bad is, I think, a masterpiece of modern-day costume design. On a metaphorical level. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, one thing I would definitely say that I kind of differentiate from Mark is I wouldn't really talk to my actors about their costume. Well, not like, what do you think? Um, that's more of a writer and director question. Now, the time I would actually differentiate from that is if this actor has been playing a certain role for a while and they know that role, because eventually, if an actor keeps replaying the same role or whatever, they're going to become that character. And Bruce Campbell know knows what he's going to do for Ash. Exactly. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to tell Bruce Campbell how to play Ash yeah, and get away with it. No. I, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. So, something like that's the exception, but... If they're just starting that role for the first time, you're the director or you're the writer. That's your input. Write a backstory for your character. It really helps. Or, I mean, even just look at the four of us, what we're wearing. I think Explorer Kitty of Yesteryear writing a rocket-powered shark says a lot. And um, this jerk right here wearing a tie-dye shirt and a Hawaiian shirt says a lot about his character. And then he wears yellow like a dick. 
Yeah, and I'm an epic fail, so... It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. But you are epic fail. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> much better. So, well, also, it's from the alley of Chicago, which was one of the greatest places in this city, and then they closed down. Well, I mean, they, they moved, across, they moved so, across the street. I heard they, no, I heard they closed down again. Did like, they? they're gone again. No, they moved to Taboo, Taboo. They're in there, in the basement there. All right, this has nothing to do with no, anything. Exactly. Uh, okay. Um, I, the so I think I think where Zach and I are going to agree though is that uh, that decisions need to be made. Yeah, don't, one way or don't, another. Don't just don't, don't just, get lazy. Don't exactly. Yeah. Don't get lazy. Don't overlook it. Even if like it's um like I think a lot of times what happens is people people will say oh it's it's happening in today it's in modern it's a modern piece why should I care you know just bring the action. no you should fucking care because you I should care about the details of what your characters are wearing because. Because that's what makes the character. Like the first thing, you know what I do when I when I act. The first thing I do is change my shoes. Because that's gonna that's gonna affect your whole walk and your demeanor and how you carry yourself. The, I think you know tennis shoes are gonna feel different than steel toe boots. Yeah. Sandals are gonna feel different oh, yeah. than than those. The it's gonna affect your entire walk of your character. It's one of the best advices I've ever gotten. It was uh, Russell Crowe on Inside the Actor Studio. He said, "Change first thing you change, change your fucking shoes." Because that will change your entire walk and your entire perception of your character. One thing I would say, if you want a really good good example, look at Pitch Black, Riddick. I guarantee they wrote a backstory to that character to kind of flush out his thing, and then when that movie became as popular as it did, they had a baseline to go off of. Yeah. Correct. Uh, even though I don't care for the movie, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Star Wars. George Lucas had those characters thought out when he wrote them. Granted, it didn't go exactly as he planned, but still, look at where it went. And then it went exactly how he planned, and look how that turned out. It was really good, Mark! <laughs> it went a little too according to plan. <laughs> look, he had a plan, he had a vision, he did it, and it was amazing. Shut up. Yeah, uh, anyway. Uh, I, yes, but... I think ultimately the, the, the biggest point is, don't get lazy, like Brandon said. Don't be lazy. Don't blow it off. The simplest things make yeah, make the, the difference. biggest difference. Yeah. They make, actually not only the difference, the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, because those are the little things that people do. I mean, like I think that was I what I talked about in Crawl. What I really enjoyed about Crawl is the little finite things, like him using the tape measure to fucking measure how, and, and, he, and he uses watch and the tape measure to measure how long he's gonna be down there before the basin fucking floods and he drowns. Just little things like that that make the difference, and they can make the difference in your in your project as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Gentlemen, um, any any final thoughts, David, our, our wonderful host. Thank you so much for coming yeah. by. Um, just remember, you're the director. It's your vision, Correct. so it's gonna come out how you see it. Just remember that. Have a vision. Have a vision. You are the quality control. If it sucks. They're not getting blamed. You are. You are getting blamed. So the, shit get lands, <laughs> the shit lands on your doorstep, yeah. pal. A little bit of shit may land on the actors, but the director's the one who's going to get the most of it. Yeah, I say uh, trust your crew. Talk to your crew. Uh, your crew is there to help you. Um, get crew as early as you can so that they can help you. And that's the difference between an excellent crew and a crew that's not in it for the right reasons. Correct. Um, if your crew is made up of people that just want to do their jobs only on the day where they arrive to set, if they don't want to put any prep time, if they don't want to go over ideas with you beforehand, mm -hmm. they're not the right 
people, and they can be a huge help in helping you figure out what like if you're if you are filming in your own apartment, they can help you be outside eyes and say, okay, this is something in your apartment that says that you live here, that this character, that this is like uh, this Freddy Krueger glove right here. That would give away that this is my apartment and Zach's apartment. Get rid of it, replace it with something that the character would have in their apartment. Correct. Uh, little touches like that go a long way. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> a little yes. touch. So, and... and um, <laughs> if I must. Uh, and yeah, I think about costume choices. Like, there's actually... Uh, I can't believe I just thought about this, but there's a piece that I've been piecing together in my brain for a few years, and it's a Grindhouse-style trailer that I, I want to do in like a 1970s Grindhouse style. And the reason why that came about is because of a costume I have access to. My mother still has her wedding dress from the 1970s. So it's a 1970s wedding dress. So I pretty much want to build this Grindhouse trailer around just drenching a 1970s bride in blood. Nice. Um, How does your mother feel about that idea? She encourages it. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. Like, it's just sitting there in a box. Like, it's my wedding day was 1975. I, I only have two sons, one of which is already married. So it's like, what am I going to do with this dress? Like, realistically, what what am I going to do with this? Thank you for being realistic. Brandon, do you want to use this for one of your movies? And as soon as she said that to me, it was like, I know exactly what I want to do with this. <laughs> and even if you didn't, you would have found a place. Yeah. If then, not, don't worry, I'll figure it literally, out. Literally, <laughs> it's one of those things where if you wouldn't have done it, one of us would have. <laughs> oh, yeah. we And you would have called us up and we were like, hey, I got access to a 1970s wedding dress. Yeah. Bring it over. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Whatever, we'll figure well, it out. And no matter what, at the end of that scenario, that thing's going to be red. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only downside is because we only have the one, we got to nail that shot oh, when we finally do yeah. it. You got you got one time to do this. Yeah. I'm putting just, a year's worth of planning into that one no shot. No shit. For that reason. And that's like a five camera setup. Get from every angle possible that would look awesome. And then more. And then more. <laughs> Oh. Get your GHs ready. We're shooting this shit like pros. Yes, we are. But yeah, uh, trust your crew. Really think things through, too. Uh, and like I mentioned, we had to do a lot of things both on set and in post-production for Bag Lady to ensure that we had an isolated feel. Uh, there are so many other cars driving by that you just didn't see in the final episode. Because um, it's important to us to sell that illusion. Um, Very true. I mentioned some projects of some people that I, I almost worked with, but I decided not to work with because they just didn't want to put the time and effort into selling their piece. And that's what it comes down to, just being lazy. It's it's either being lazy or you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah. Uh, you think you're going to get something out of it, and there, there are certain independent filmmakers that don't believe work actually has to be put into the piece. They just want to make something to make something. It, we're at a, there was a time where it was difficult to make an independent film because you actually had to 
know how to work with film. And the digital age, there are there is actual a film kids. There is a section you know, of people. These, this this thing of strips. And you, actually had to, and you actually that, have to cut shit and then splice it, and then you know, there's a lot of things that go on. There's involved. a lot of money that's involved in that, like a lot just of money. Yeah. 127 then, takes on film. But yeah, th- th- there is a section of people in the digital filmmaking era that think, "Oh, I can get a camera, I can just film something, and it'll be good enough." Sometimes good enough isn't good enough. And and so, and good enough, enough and good enough shouldn't be good enough. Yeah. It's I, I always try to ask myself, what can I do to make this better? Sometimes I figure what I can do better after I film it. Sometimes I'm lucky enough to figure out what I can do before we roll the camera. Um, Sometimes it happens right on the spot. You're just like, wait! Yep. Uh, so yeah, it just comes down to really think things through. Yeah. Is Would this be a believable location? What do I, or if I don't have a believable location, what can I do to make it believable? It starts with simple questions like that. Correct. And and I think that the, my biggest thing is is obviously don't be lazy to, to add off to what you're doing. And in a lot of cases, the, the smallest things make the biggest, the biggest splash. They don't have to be huge, you know, dramatic sets. You know, it, it's the simplest stuff. You know, film is very intimate. It's a very intimate art. You know, you're showing a very specific... It, it, you know, I, I was watching that commercial for the for Ron Howard to teach his master class. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and he had a great quote, which I really loved, and everything else. He's like, it does not matter what the fuck's going on any other else. The only thing you need to be concerned about is whatever the fuck is going on in that frame at that time. Nothing else matters outside of that. Don't worry about it. Just, just here. Just here. That's it. The um uh, and and in here, the simplest things, the, the the finite things, really make the difference and can catapult you from appearing like good enough to excellent to above uh, above everyone else, and that's what's really gonna carry you. That's what's really gonna. It's those finite details in anything, any any facet of this. You know, it's any. Any set design, costume design, directing, editing, um, acting, lighting design, you know, DP, you know, even the, the, the even the, uh, the, uh, the grafters and the, and the grips and everybody, the, just that little extra is what really makes the difference sometimes between good and great. And sometimes a little bit more than that goes from eh to great as well. So put in the extra effort, do the work. If you don't want to do the work, then you're in the wrong thing. You know, you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing it for the wrong reasons, or you're here for some other reason you shouldn't be in here because you're going to be miserable. Do it because you love to do it. Quit fucking around and, and being lazy and get it done. Uh, David, Zach, any last no, thoughts no. from you? Said it. <laughs> so, squirrels. Uh, squirrel, but of course, they, you know, there's, there's always squirrels. So hey, um, uh, so we'll wrap it up and everything else. Dave, thanks so much for for, for jumping out on this. Um, uh, you know, at, as of always, please like, comment, share, subscribe. Tell all your aunts, brothers, sickles, sisters, uncles, sickles? them too, sisters, uncles, <laughs> best friends, neighbors, and all those other people, um, all about our wonderful podcast and all the other um, wonderful stuff we have on our channel. Um, uh, we look forward to some very exciting stuff coming up. 
Um, uh, we possibly have a, uh, a nice little company title change, and then also a new show that we're uh, we're uh, going to be doing along with many other exciting pieces of news. Um, uh, Every day we are working to expand this uh, the, this whole network. Everything about this, we want to make it bigger, better, and the best horror channel yeah. on the on the internet. Because yeah, because because reasons. Um, uh, because we want to, but we can't do that without you. So so please, uh, you know, tell everybody about this. Uh, give us a like and a thumbs up and a subscribe uh, on our YouTube channel where you're watching this now. And then also um, go ahead and follow us on. Facebook and Instagram at Living Nightmares Official. He says it better than I do, so I just do it. So, alrighty. So, everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you later. Peace. Peace. Hand. High five. Free five. <laughs> Free five. High five. And.